Stop feeling yourself. We're all in the same room together. Right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to New Day New Movie. Where we watch 365 movies in 365 days. I'm Mitch. I'm Scott. And I'm Jake. Yes. yes. <laughs> welcome to week 34. 34. Yeah, where we have a special guest that we've been talking about for a little bit. Yeah, uh, I feel like the today. last two weeks we've said we've been excited to have him here. But uh, Jake is a good buddy of mine from college uh, who actually has a really cool job kind of overseeing kind of a couple movie theaters in Montana. You want to kind of talk about what you do? Yeah. So I work for Art House Cinema and Pub in Billings, Montana. So we're a nonprofit independent cinema. So we show, uh, we have a micro cinema that's got 60 seats and we show smaller independent stuff that wouldn't hit, you know, an AMC or a Regal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we also, uh, the city owns and picked us to manage a 700 seat like movie palace. Nice. So we get to do some bigger stuff out of there. Like and what is your Jurassic role World. in all of that? I'm the director of operations. So I'm doing staff and ordering and, you know, helping pick stuff. And, and you so. kind of work with the companies as to like what movies you're bringing in to the theaters, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a creative director. His name's Brian, but yeah, Brian and I'll talk through and, you know, there's different rates for every movie in different terms, that kind of thing. Sweet. Nice. Well, welcome, Jake. We're super excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here, man. I love the podcast. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. We don't hear that much. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think first off, you picked all seven movies this week. I did, yeah. And I would like to know why. I mean, we can go through and, and talk about each of them individually as we sure. talk about them, obviously. But, but uh, what was your kind of holistic goal yeah. for us yeah so i i you know i was loving i think probably the biggest part about this is that you guys are doing movies you haven't seen like it'd be really easy to sit up here and do star wars or nina jones or oh, something yeah. you guys mm -hmm. love right yep. it's new stuff to you so i always feel like sometimes that's the best exposure in our theater is when i can convince someone to go to a movie they haven't seen yeah um and so i was thinking through the list and i looked you know you've got this awesome spreadsheet you've built and you had no points in documentaries. You had no points in musicals and you had no points in sports. Hoping a little bit to change that today. <laughs> Some of what also happened with it is, you know, I thought about what you guys are doing and the whole new movie thing. And I wanted to be part of that. So Purple Rain this week, obviously the new Jurassic World and then Hustle are nice. all new to me as well. So sweet. Nice. A little bit of honesty there. Yeah. So. Well, we will, we'll talk about that and that experience because I do think that it's one thing when I've talked to people about us doing this, when you say we're doing a movie a day for a year that we haven't seen before, it's a little different. I don't know if people quite understand that. Like, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around because you're just thinking, oh, geez, a movie a day, like whatever, it's ridiculous, but, but it's new content. It's right. like not, not that you can just, oh yeah, I'm going to put on Harry Potter again for the thousandth time I've seen it and chill and watch it. No, right. it's like. What is happening in this movie? I need to pay attention. I need to, we talk about that probably too much to where friends and family members bitch about it. I but. get annoyed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
yeah. it is what it is. And I felt like Kristen had a little bit of a home run derby type of week. And oh, so yeah. I didn't she wanna, had it easy. I didn't want to duplicate <laughs> that. I also wanted to have some like potential scrubs in there too. So, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, interesting talking about your pitch. I mean, don't want to get too far ahead of it, but I think you shot yourself in the foot early yeah. by just throwing Jurassic World on there. But <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm we'll interested see. to talk about that. We, yeah. could, we could surprise ourselves. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, as always, we do a little segment. What's in the Nice. Right at home. I have to, I'm going to shout it out early, but Jess is the queen of the podcast. I'm all about them edits. Wow, boys. I have a fan. We know. We know. We rely heavily on her for the humor. Thank you, Jess. We're not funny at all. But yeah, Jess, have some fun with this one. Yeah, she carries us. Who would like to start with news? Do you have news, Jake? I I have to say I don't know if you guys talked about it last week because I haven't heard last week's yet because it hasn't come out yet. That's true. But I want to thank you two assholes. You're probably the reason we have to sit through a Morbius two at some point. <laughs> I don't know if it's you guys Morbentine. saw it's Morbentine. it's Morbentine for the second time. Like, I know, dude. That's Reddit. Two Morbin, it was the joke, but at what two cost? Morbin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Reddit, uh, I think, blew that up. I I wasn't as into the memes as Scott was, but have y'all seen the like what they're doing now? Uh-uh. On our shitty movie details, now they're doing it for like every other movie yeah. in existence. Yeah. Oh, just... <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any examples, of course. Now that I'm saying it, but uh, but yeah, like not Morbius. Now they're just doing it for all movies. So, so I was holding on to that little tidbit and hoping you guys hadn't talked about it. We have not talked say, about it. Thank you. <laughs> Did you see Morbius? No, I manage a theater though, so it was like, do we want this? And then all the scores and everything, it was like, we, we don't do want, this. want this. <laughs> yeah, it's nice that you get to choose that after you see some stuff, right. right? Yeah, I'm super interested to hear kind of your reaction on all of these, just from being behind the scenes of you know selecting what movies you want coming into your theater versus mm-hmm. you know we just see what's ever in theaters regardless. Of I mean, we're it. we're as selective as you can be picking new movies that come out pretty much every week we in see Dolby. a theater movie yeah as long as they're air and dolby for the most part yeah which this week i think we'll have some to talk about with that but real quick i found one they're even even doing so in star wars the phantom menace darth maul doesn't in fact say it's maul in time as he mauls qui-gon <laughs> this is a reference that the movie came out 23 years before morbius and cinema hadn't been invented yet <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh, uh, that's, that's subreddit that's man. really it's ridiculous any other news jake oh i'm good cool For my news, Scott and I and Kristen, we got uh, the chance to see an advanced screening of a cast and crew showing of a film this past week, which was super cool just to kind of be a part of that experience. And we'll be talking about that next week in the podcast, just kind of our, you know, how everything went as well as what we liked about the movies without giving away too many spoilers. Yeah, just just the experience, but without, because this movie is set to release next next year. year, So we we are not at liberty to, to give away too much, but. If they told you. They'd have to kill you. But it was a really we'll cool experience, experience that we're happy to, to talk about. Kristen's birthday was this week. So happy birthday, Kristen. Happy birthday, Kristen. Happy birthday. Yay. I'll do the, the seal Just clap. do the grunt noise <laughs> and the seal clap together. <laughs> That's her birthday noise now. And then my last bit of news. My sisters and I sent my parents to Hawaii for their 30th anniversary this last week. And they brought me back a ukulele. <gasps> So, Scott, you need to teach me how to play right. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <laughs> All right. That cool. Is... That's one of the, the first easiest ones to learn. Perfect. That's what was requested <laughs> when they handed me the ukulele. All right. You're going to sing it for them too, right? Somewhere. You no. got to do the, the, 
There you go. We'll just book you out for weddings. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Get my Adam Sandler on. <laughs> but that's all my news. That's what relevant you? to this week. Adam it Sandler. is. Yeah. What about you, Scott? I don't have any news this week. Uh, I, I feel like I made some notes for some stuff, and I decided I don't really want to talk about those things. Fair enough. We've talked about trailers before, and they just keep happening. They just keep making trailers. And that's usually my, my gripe or something I want to talk about in the beginning. And you know what? I'm over it. Everyone else is probably over it, too. I'm not talking about trailers this week. Well, Jake was talking about trailers on the way here. And this could be the last bit of news. Maybe we do talk about trailers then. Shit. But you were mentioning that new A24 film. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the trailer for Marcel the Shell with Shoes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So we were, we were talking about, we do like a preview. We play a bunch of trailers for like our members and donors and stuff. And that was one that, like, as a staff, we were pretty pumped about because A24 brings in just a different crowd. But everyone shot it down. Really? We are not coming to see this if you get it. (laughs) So A24 is a little bit different, though. They make us promise to do, like, two weeks, nothing else on our screen kind of thing. And so we really got to be prepared for it. So, like, everything everywhere all at once was a home run. Like, we had people come and, like, repeat showings kind of thing. So, And is that bid theater then? Like... No, so two weeks our, it, big. No, it's our small independent. Really, yeah, yeah, it's so our sixty seater. Interesting. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I just I think the concept of your smaller theater is just astounding. Where you just have like this smaller screen, then you have a select amount of chairs, but you have like open bar right next to it, and right. it's just like a super cool experience that you could pretty much play anything, right? Because people can request to even just rent out the space to watch a football game or. Yeah, yeah. So if it's a private rental, it'd be the same as if you were having something at your house. So it'd be like showing a movie at your home, but it's got to be a private. You can't be like, hey, it's five bucks to come hang out at my house. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's super cool. But that's what's in the. You guys sound so dumb without the air horn. So I think it's only fair that Jake reads our movies of the week since he selected them for us. Does so seem fair. Sweet. So on Monday, we watched Singing in the Rain. On Tuesday, we watched Three Identical Strangers. Wednesday, we watched Purple Rain. Thursday, we watched Do the Right Thing. Friday, we watched The You, which is an ESPN 30 for 30. Saturday, we watched Hustle. And Sunday, we watched Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah. What a... It was what a selection. A, it was a different week. Yeah, so I have to say again, I singing in the rain, three and ankle strangers, do the right thing, and the you were kind of the like, yeah, you guys have to see this. I know I've seen it, and it's kind of breaking the rules a little bit, but those are in. Well, and I thought that was interesting watching them this week. Is they are their own thing. Musical is its own thing. Documentary is its own thing. But they are still movies right mm-hmm. right and and i don't know that we ever explicitly said we're not doing that it's just kind of a i categorize them differently but since completing this week i've been seeing more and more mostly documentaries of interesting things that i'm like i would be down i mean we have so many movies left yeah mm-hmm. and it's stuff that we want to see right right we don't want to just watch whatever so like if we want to watch something educational you know but that being said We'll get into my gripes about documentaries when we get to uh, Three Identical Strangers. Well, I think it's also interesting, and we talked about this way early in the podcast, like the first few weeks, but a lot of what we tended to watch was geared because of the algorithms that streaming services That's provide true. because of what you watched Mostly prior. Mostly because only looks at the first page of every streaming service. Well, regardless of that fact alone, originally when we started, we got a lot of 
horror movies, a lot of dramas, a lot of, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, and the horror, too, was because we started right after Halloween week. We right? had a horror so that's week, what right? Halloween being out was, that's all there was, was horror movies. But because of the algorithm, so it we are, auto kind of says like, hey, because you watch this, you might like this. These other terrible movies. And we never, <laughs> yeah, we never branched out further. So I'm glad that Jake kind of opened our eyes to some new things this week. But let's go ahead and jump into the Monday movie. Would you like to start us off or do you want us to read? You read, you read the ones that I've seen and I'll read the ones I haven't seen. And then that way I don't like fair okay. my voice yeah. or be upset when you guys don't like it. <laughs> so on Monday, we watched Singing in the Rain. A silent film star falls for a chorus girl just as he and his delusionally jealous screen partner are trying to make the difficult transition to talking pictures in 1920s Hollywood. What'd you think? All right. So really quickly, I, I mentioned this in the podcast last week at the very end. But I want to mention my favorite quote from the movie. <laughs> my favorite quote from the movie was, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. And it made me laugh because we were watching 365 movies in 365 days. But are That's we really... 364 but, useless days. I was right? going to say, but are we really just watching one movie 365 <laughs> times if we believe the quote? I don't know. But I just thought it was kind of funny. But Jake was shaking his head saying that is not... Not the best quote of the no, movie. No, I was doing the yes, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> so what is your favorite quote of the movie then? Oh, that one? When he is like, Cosmo, call me a cab. Okay, you're a cab. Like, I don't know why it just comes off so well. No, I There's think- so many little things like that in the movie that are just, it's just, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's quippy humor, it's light, sarcastic. It's, yeah. and I really liked it. And I know you had texted me, Jake, saying Kristen needs to watch this movie with me. And I made sure she did. We watched it on Monday. And she really enjoyed it as well. I think this would have fallen right into her list of like the seven that she picked. And she was even debating throwing it on the list. So that was, you know, interesting enough. But I just like, what is your tie to this movie? Because obviously you've seen it, you love it. Right. And it's something that you wanted to make sure that we saw. Right. So where did that come from? Yeah. So when I was 13, my dad had like Broadway tickets that he was supposed to take my mom. And my mom ended up getting sick that day. So he's like, do you want to go with me to go watch Singing in the Rain? And so it was one of those, like, my dad took me downtown. We had, like, a fancy dinner. And we went to the show. And they made it fucking rain on the stage, man. Like, it was, like, mind-blowing to (laughs) 13-year-old me that they were doing this, you know? And so... I feel like that's where the love started and then just like getting to watch the movie later in life on like a big screen. I feel like it's one of those. It's a really cool one to see. So how does that compare like the play to the movie then? Like are they pretty accurate to depicting the same events that kind of. Yeah, it was, it was really similar. You know, the make them laugh is like the dude did the backflip off, did the backflip off the wall. And, oh, like, that's it. They make it rain for the singing in the rain part. Like, it was pretty cool. I was going to say, I was surprised at how many notable songs were in the movie that I've heard just yeah, through I other pop know. culture. Like, I know the Make Them Laugh from Family Guy when Quagmire's in the set shop. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I've heard that and song good, before. Good Morning is also on Good Morning. Yeah. Too, yeah. Yeah. When that one started up, I was like, oh, shit, that's from this movie. Yeah, I had no that idea. That was great. Yeah. So in that, when he makes, so Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds are in that one, right? Mm-hmm. He made her do over like 40 takes of that. And her feet, she had like broken multiple like blood vessels. Holy and, shit. And like Fred Astaire, who was working on a different movie at the time, found her like crying under a piano in a different part of the studio. What? Yeah. She got like crazy abused and like he wanted the scene to be perfect. Like wow. he was a perfectionist of his time and knew what he was doing as a choreographer and yeah. was not having it if it wasn't right. 
Yeah. Well, I was thinking that watching all of the the tap scenes with her in them, uh, just thinking tap dancing is one thing, but tap dancing in heels has got to be like a whole other thing, right? right? She's in heels. The other right. two assholes are just in, you know, flat shoes. It's fine. But was she, do either of y'all know if she had done anything like that before? She had no dancing experience. Wow. So she, in her audition, let him know that. And he said, oh yeah, I'll be able to like make you do it. Like, because she was a gymnast actually. Okay. And so oh. he was like, yeah, you'll be able to do it. And repeatedly made her cry through the whole That's thing. insane. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Debbie Reynolds is, you know, Carrie Fisher's mom. That's Princess Leia's mom. Oh, shit. Yeah, she's the I thought the name sounded familiar. She's the uh, grandma on Halloween Town. Halloween Town, Town, that's what I wrote. That's what I was going to say. Is that sad that that's- That's your connection to her? Well, I I looked her up because you don't recognize her in this movie. She's so young compared to when she was in Halloween Town. But yeah, seeing Debbie Reynolds, and I thought that name was familiar, but I didn't think about Carrie Fisher's mom, that connection. But yeah, when I clicked on her on IMDb, and I was like, oh, shit, Halloween Town. That's who that is. But yeah. yeah, between her and, and Gene Kelly, man, just the the swagger yeah. of that man is... Mm-hmm. Well, I was asking, because Tristan, coming from a dance background, like that was something I was, I was like, is that good? You know, she's <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I don't know my way around my own two feet. So <laughs> I was like, how was that? And she's like, well, you know, for acting, like that's pretty incredible, like that they're able to tap at that level of, you know, dance. But... Oh, but not outside that not being their technic technical profession. Yeah, as I say, yeah. outside of that, you know, it's probably above average for sure. Like not anybody could get up and just tap like that. But it, it, was, it was super impressive. But I'm really happy you threw this on the list because I think I'm actually gonna start showing this in my classroom now. Yeah. Yeah, because like in my video production too, we do film through the decades and we start with silent films and we go into film noir. But I feel like this would be a great kind of in-between Super, yeah. to show because it's depicting how actors and actresses had like to literally yeah, yeah, how how they to took it, address, the, you know, actually talking was. in films. And I'm, I don't know the accuracy of it. I'm sure it's, you know, blown up, blown yeah. up in Hollywood-esque, but it's still an interesting take to be like, yeah, you're going from something where nobody was ever had to speak on film and now you're saying like, okay, let's hear that shitty ass voice of yeah. yours. Yeah, the, the scenes where she's talking like this and then away from the microphone yeah. and then talking to the microphone and then away from the microphone. Yeah, those are the best. And then they end up just her, mounting her it. Her heartbeat. Yeah, they through. mount it to her shoulder because she can't <laughs> say her lines without being all over the place. That was hilarious. It gave me uh, Hail Caesar vibes a little bit yeah. at times. Yep. Having just watched that, I think that was you know being fresh in our minds. Yeah, very similar to like depicting an era of cinema and how mm-hmm. things were kind of operated, but this one was just of the silent film era versus like 1950s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then the the musical part, you know, I thought of uh, the sailor. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that because that's what that was in that movie, right? It's kind of an homage to that era, and and so that was just that was great. I I I enjoyed this a lot. I thought. Because I will, I will start by saying, and it's probably going to be with most of these genres this week, is I'm not a huge musical fan. Mm. But I don't think this is a musical in the traditional sense. Right. And none of the musicals this week, I don't think, are. Well, there's only Purple Rain, I guess. But the songs were more of a... They were more of story enhancers right. than telling the story through song, which is what I find right. really... Not good. Like I just I can't <laughs> the, stand the Disney that. And then, sing about yeah, your day in the courtyard. Exactly. And everyone's joining in. Exactly. Like the the actual lyrics are 
you know, narrating what's happening or something. It, I can't stand that. But this, everything was, you know, flashbacks to what was going on. Like at a dance number or how people are feeling or certain, you know, every song and dance scene played into what was going on, but wasn't pivotal. I don't think this is technically a musical in the sense of what I typically think of as a musical. Right. Um, so that was great because I was concerned with the whole musical thing. Though this being the movie that it is, I'm surprised. I This is another one I'm surprised we hadn't seen. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an iconic movie, a notable movie, and it's obviously referenced everywhere. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. across, you know, cartoons and cinema, and mm-hmm. I mean, really. I feel like you know if it's a good movie if, like, Seth MacFarlane references it more than <laughs> once. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have watched, like, Little Shop of Horrors, but after mm-hmm. watching that, it's like... Oh my God, this has been like every season of Family Guy at least once. Like, yeah. He definitely reuses his, his favorites. And he's got decent taste, I must say. I say, I think that's what makes him just as good as he is at what he does because he just references the greats and puts his own weird spin on things. But, <laughs> well, when you talk about this one in film class, the, the way they were able to make the rain turn up on the camera mm-hmm. for the singing in the rain portion, yep. they used milk. So they realized they did it a couple times, just water, and it wasn't showing and up it wasn't, okay. at all. And so they used milk in water to, so wow. that the camera would catch it as it fell. I was say, yeah, probably with the technology at the time, right? You probably didn't have, you know, a fast enough shutter speed to be able to pitch up, you know, water droplets falling. But if you have something that can catch the light a little better right. in the camera, that's, that's super that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I guess singing in the milk doesn't quite have the right. same. <laughs> singing in the milk. <laughs> no, this was a great start to the week. Definitely a one out of one for me. One out of one for me. Yeah, it's in my top three all time. I yeah. say, it's one of your favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. so. Figured. So moving into Tuesday, uh, Three Identical Strangers. In 1980 New York, three young men who were all adopted meet each other and find out they're triplets who were separated at birth. But their quest to find out why turns into a bizarre and sinister mystery. So is this officially our first documentary? I think this is well, our first documentary. So actually, oh. on the spreadsheet, technically, you guys have Jackass Forever listed. Oh, I, oh, I yeah. think yeah. I brought that up you once. Did. Yeah, and I don't know. <laughs> it I should have like an asterisk a, next to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's a stretch. Okay, this is a true documentary. Jackass <laughs> yeah, Forever is... is just a bunch of guys <laughs> poto-sticking each other's dicks. <laughs> <laughs> <Paul's>, yeah. <laughs> this followed the documentary formula, I think, to a T. Mm-hmm. And I was excited because starting out with Since You've Been Gone by Rainbow is a, is a great place to start. It really is. Sets the mood. I was, I was pumped. I was ready to go. But I have a quote here from the movie that I'd like to, to touch on real quick, if I may. Holy shit. Oh my God. This is not believable. This is unbelievable. Wow. This is big. This is serious. This is not some kind of crazy coincidence. This is real. This is happening. This is really, really serious. <laughs> this is why I don't like yeah. documentaries typically, because that quote is 18 seconds. I timed it. <laughs> 18 <laughs> seconds of my life. To <laughs> with, listen to that quote. With no, you know what I mean? 18 seconds of the movie. I don't have time for this shit. But I just felt like there was so much filler. Yeah. It, this would have been a great 40, 50 minute episode of something yeah. that's just, here's the story. And that's it, right? But we have so many recaps, so many, re- so much reused footage. And then the recap of the whole thing at the hour mark, 
because you know I don't remember anything that I just watched for right. the last hour. Like that that kind of thing is just I don't know. It's it's too much for me. Yeah. I mean, I think if okay, yeah, you can gripe on how they prolong the story, but I think if you boil down to what the story was, it was fucking fascinating. I think the story was was very interesting, yes. Like the fact that three triplets were separated at birth, just to kind of establish nature versus nurture. And there's this weird study that nobody has access to seeing right. the fucking records. Like that's that's astounding that like this was even able to happen. Yeah. Where that quote comes in is like, it's unbelievable. It's believable. Is this happening? And you know, like I, I, yeah, I get that's it. How but you like, feel. I just felt like it's gonna be hard, I think, to talk specifically about that and not talk about the you. Because yeah. the you was the exact opposite yeah. for me. The you was they let the tone be set by the people telling the story, yeah. right? And this felt so manipulative and, and calculated. Paste on purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And they have all of these, these fucking off-kilter shots yeah. with them staring off in the distance and somber music. And yeah. it's just so... It's I like, don't like someone being tugging emotionally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't like being emotionally manipulated to that level sure. where it's obvious. Yeah. And so that really... They really ruined this movie for me where there were times that I was, th- I mean, I agree. The story's incredible. Mm-hmm. I liked hearing about the story, but there's also the level of documentaries these days where they have an angle to take. And right. that's what I don't like because a documentary by definition is, it's supposed to be educational. It's supposed to be factual. It's supposed to be, but a lot of them these days, and I think the whole Tiger King. Right. Like that whole phenomenon that's a recent thing I can I can reference is whoever's directing it has so much influence right. on how the story is told and what is told and, and the emotion, you know, what side to take kind of thing. And I think that that is not, if I watch a documentary, I want to learn about something. I don't want to learn what the director has to say about it. Sure. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think this one did where you dislike it. I think a lot of people like the like hand holding. And like this one was interesting to us, especially at the theater. It's in our top 10, like all time for documentaries that we've done at the theater. But its ability to move on to the next piece of the story in the sense of, you know, it starts off with him in college and then then they figure out their twins and then there's triplets and then they're like running a business. And then all of a sudden they figure out they're part of this study. Like it has those turns versus a lot of documentaries we do are just due to it's a flat line. Like here's the 1989 World feel... Series team. Guess what? You know, at the end of the story, they win the World Series. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point to make. Is you didn't really know where it was going, but that's the kind of thing. Is a lot of stuff, especially sports documentaries. People that are that are into watching those mostly are familiar with the sport or right. with something, right? Whereas this, this is not a story that well, I would think most people watching this are going to be our age that weren't around for this and didn't hear about this in the news kind of thing. And so this is a new take on it. So it's just a well, that's what a I was dramatized say, version of it. Is like I'd almost argue the fact of what you're saying until you said that because like at least in the beginning stages of this documentary, they were talking about just how blown up this actually was across every news source, you know, in America. And maybe they were propelling the fact that maybe everybody knew. And I, I haven't talked to like my parents to say, like, hey, have you heard of this right. shit? Like, do you remember seeing this on the news? And, you know, all this is, you know, before our time, but I don't know. I, I liked kind of how they introduced it. I, I could agree with you that it, at points, I, it might've dragged on a little bit and like the, You've the long shot, of the long reaction the shot. Thing. I think the, the reused footage was yeah. a big thing too. Cause you're like, okay, we've been here. Yeah. It, like I, I'm interested. You've got me. I think that's the other thing too, is the, 
making, I think they're, making movies for stupid people that we have exactly, to watch. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think that's not fair to the general population who's right. watching your movie, right? And I'm sure most people don't get offended the way that I do sometimes with that. But in this particular instance, it's like, trust me to have chosen to watch this because of my interest and trust your own filmmaking and storytelling ability to hold my interest. You don't need to. And that's why it's, I feel like it's a, it's a toss up whether that was the intent with so many things being, this is about the time where I think people would lose interest. So let's try and hook them back in, right. you know, and you have to fabricate that kind of interest, but the hook, or are we just trying to stretch to feature length? Right. right? So it's, it's, it's an interesting. So, I mean, I've seen this one a few times and like, you know, I've shown it to different people. When did you guys realize that the third brother was missing? Like how far into the movie? I think as soon as they introduced his wife, I knew he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. I was about, I would, I don't recall exactly, but it was pretty early. Yeah. Cause they didn't show, they were showing right. the other two talking so much. So I'm so, like, okay. I mean, like sometimes it doesn't know click. Something you know, happened. Yeah. So. I was going to say for me, it clicked pretty fast and I just, I didn't think that he committed suicide. My guess was like yeah, that he was in prison him, or something, but, but I, I, I didn't immediately jump to the fact that he wasn't alive anymore. Like I knew he wasn't part of the documentary right. as soon as like his wife was speaking for him. Right. Which I think is only like 20, 25 minutes in maybe. Right. If that. Right. But I think that was the hardest part to watch around this documentary. Yeah. Especially, and this is getting into probably way deeper than, you know, any of our pay grades, but the situation with Eddie, right? And probably the constant reminder that his dad has to go through every single day. Yeah. Because of how the study was, yes. right? You could think you did everything right as a father. And if we're looking at the nature versus nurture, nurture. level yeah. of everything, and he raised his son as best as he thought he did, and then his son commits suicide. Right. And then you have two other identical twins who were yes. raised in different families who did not do that. And then you have to live with that. Like that is... And the way they kind of even formed it in the yes, documentary. That's something you reminded me about that I probably didn't note because I wasn't sure I wanted to get into that. Um, actually, I did. But Never that's, mind. That's just like, that's fucked up. It's so. crazy, right? that end message, I think, was... I'm, I'm curious what you both actually think on that. But with all their, their toss-up of the nature and nature versus nurture thing throughout the whole thing, and then it seems like where they end is very staunchly, even the brothers, a lot of the blame from the way that the 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 story and the movie itself is shaped is pointed at the dad right and i don't think that that's i mean there's i don't a, agree with that i yeah. say there's a quote at the end where they were talking about i think one of the moms is talking about nature versus nurture and i think she even mentions that it's a combination of both like right. you can't solely base it off the fact of how you were brought up versus like inherently are you going to be this person that you're expected to be like it's going to be a combination of your genetics and factors but also like where you're coming from all plays into that and i think that was hopefully trying to alleviate some of that like pressure on the dad right well and i think but, i think they did a lot that they kind of tried to go that route where they're saying yes this yes that because at some point they were really driving the similarities between all three of them right and then they backpedal and they're like sure you see that they all smoke the same cigarettes and right. they all you know wear the same shoes whatever bullshit but they're not the same person they're not that alike they're all very different but then they go and and almost contradict that again in the end with at least and maybe that's just the viewpoint of the brothers the way that because I think he's the one that says the big quote or the big 
thing he says at the end, whatever I'm trying to say, uh, where he very obviously, based on that quote, places blame for losing his brother on the dad. Right. I got that too, because like the first 85% of this is pushing the nature narrative. Right. That Pretty much saying it's like- testing them, not the parents. Yeah, because even when they reconnected, flips. right, they yeah. had the same interests and they were all, they could find all these similarities, but- you know, if we really look at each other, like we're we're all different people, and it maybe that's because of how we were raised, how we were brought up. Is it an economic thing? Is it who was you know? It, I don't know. It's just wild. It's crazy. It's right? absolutely mm-hmm. wild. Did it blow your mind that you know all of the family members and the people they're interviewing are drastically different than the two researchers that they talk to? Like the two researcher researchers think they've done nothing wrong oh, and they're I, not apologetic about it. Mm-hmm. And they are like, that lady is just like, yeah, we did this. Like, it's totally fine. And well, like the guy towards the end too yeah. is like, well, I was only involved for like 12 months and you know, I was at a low level. I was just doing whatever I was told. So that doesn't weigh on my conscience they, pretty like, much. Every like, Dude, time he was fuck? doing those testing, he's literally <laughs> going and testing the brother. Yeah. Like, how could you not say something? Yeah. And like, just how they came off in the interview. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it was like, that's the thing. You two are assholes. <laughs> that brings me to two things. Number one, I have a note in here that says the doctors who were interviewed seem like perfect people to be involved in all of this because they really showed no remorse for anything. But number two, one of the, I guess, professional development things that we had to do for school is watch a documentary, which is called America to Me. It doesn't really regard to this, but it's a documentary series. And I think researching up on that, they talked about how over the course of a year, they recorded 10,000 hours worth of footage. And then that's cut down to 10 hours, which is actually shown in the documentary series. It's like 10 one-hour episodes. Yeah. So even going to this, right, like how much footage do you actually have? Right. And then how much do you want to show to push your narrative of like what you want people to believe coming out of this? Because this isn't journalism where you're trying to just like report on the facts and, you know, give people the option to like let them make a decision. Typically, with a documentary, you're pushing your own narrative, and you're going to use supporting evidence to push that narrative. So, like you said, with those researchers, they might be normal people. I don't right. think they are. I think they're batshit crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any <laughs> set of footage and that would the, support. The craziest part of this is, like, even the lead doctor in this is someone that literally escaped the Holocaust. Yeah, and he sees nothing wrong with what he's doing. Right, yeah. in those recordings and everything. And it's like, man, that is mind-blowing. I think as a theater worker, the thing about this one that I like is that, so like we get a lot that are just talking heads, and those are the driest dry of documentaries sure. you've ever had in your life. So this one had a good balance, I think, of talking heads, historical footage, and like a little bit of like recreation, like the college scenes and some mm-hmm. other scenes, like they did a, a recreating, right? So yep. as someone that works in the theater, I think that that's sometimes the best success in documentaries because if you're just sitting looking at a face talking about something. Yeah, that's yeah. not a great theater experience. And that's something that I think I don't typically think of from a documentary. I think it's interesting that you play those, I guess. I guess I'm not even conscious of if there are documentaries playing at the theater. I don't even know because I don't care. Just personally, because I don't, that's not something I feel like I'd want to see. So it is kind of a what your intention is or what your interest is. Because, like, when I watch, want to watch a documentary, I want to watch something that is interviews and facts. And, you know, I'm okay with it being dry, but also I'm watching it at home. 
I agree. I sure as hell would not want to go sit in a theater and have some people talk at me for, for two hours, hour and a half, two hours. So from that angle, I do think this was a more on paper and more entertaining documentary for the masses to, to, you know, in that setting, I, I believe compared to other documentaries, this is definitely probably a better one. Well, I guess my last note (laughs) on all of this (laughs) is like, which theater did this come? Our smaller one. It did come. So like the artsy independent film. Okay. So I say, I don't think AMC is really pushing out the documentaries very often. Not very often. And if they do, it's, I, I, Again, I can't even think of one that I have seen strolling through a list to be like, oh, there's a documentary out right now. So, yeah, and I don't even mean just like if we're looking for something to watch in this. I just mean over the course of my lifetime, kind of thing. You know, just if there were a a documentary playing at a theater, I don't even know. Because even at AMC, when you look at the, you know, they put the blockbusters up top, and you got to scroll down to the bottom to find the more interesting shit, the gold bordered (laughs) art, exactly. (laughs) Exactly, which they're even getting a little, I don't know if you've noticed lately, but they're getting a little, I mean, that, that definition of the, the artistry, whatever, they're slapping that on just about anything yeah. these days. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> but hey, this one got us talking quite a bit. It did. So that says something. What would you rate it, Scott? I think, just personally, I think I got to give it a zero. That's fair. I, I'd give it a one. I just thought the, the story was absolutely wild and like... All of the conversations that it kind of invoked with me and Kristen, I think that she enough. She watched this one with you? She did. I, I tried to make her watch as many as I could. Yeah. She got three of the seven. You know, I think if, fair I, enough. if I had Jess watch this with me, because this seems more like she would be interested in watching this, and I think maybe talking about it after would have made it more interesting right. since then, but sitting on it since then and yeah. having talked with no one, yeah. just kind of... Dwelled in your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I don't about know, you, Jake? interesting the experience. Uh, I like this one. I think I would give it a one, uh, you know, kind of for the reasons I said. I think it leads you down the path pretty purposefully. They mix up their styles, and it's it's a crazy story that has led to some, like, really good conversations with people I've yeah. shown it to in the sense of, one, is it okay that they did this? Yeah. It's... I mean, they only, you know, they've fucked up a handful of people's lives to figure yeah, out this, morally. like, you know, this infinitesimal question, though. I mean, like, we all think about it. Like, if I grew up in that house, would I, you know feel this way kind of thing so like you know is it worth it so i think it's led to good conversations so i would give it a one all right sweet moving into wednesday yes let's get to one that you haven't seen purple rain yes um (laughs) a young musician tormented by an abusive situation at home must contend with a rival singer burgeoning romance and his own dissatisfied band as his stars begin to rise Purple Rain with Prince. So I, I picked it on that day because our theater showed it, our classic big screen theater, for Prince's birthday that day. Okay. So mm-hmm. fair enough. Congratulations. You watched it on his birthday. Sweet. I had never seen it before. People rave about it. It's the weirdest thing. And we had over 150 people come that night on a Tuesday night. Wow. Okay. So. I was going to say, this seems like one of those cult esque movies. Like there's going to be a weird, not. So like a not, Prince Obsession yeah, following, yeah, right? Right. Like people just absolutely or love. Or it's like The Room or Rocky Horror Picture Show where I'm supposed to be throwing shit or something right now or, or yelling at the screen. None of that happens for this. 
No, people are just it's like... It's not yeah. that level, yeah. But it's close, right? It's like that it, borderline of like, this is so terror. Like, what is... You what? could... So, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't seen this one before. So, um, I wasn't able to watch it in the theater, but I did watch it at home with my wife, Timber. And yep. so, the two of us watched it together. And I don't know if I want to start the conversation here, but the generational equivalent is 8 Mile. Okay, yes. I, I put that down here. I was like, this seems like where you take a famous singer who's like in their prime and we throw them into a movie because it's going to get people to come out and watch, like it, re- regardless right. of how good or bad the movie is. And I wrote, I can only think of from Justin to Tilly, after American Idol, 8 Mile, or, a, or a Star that. is Born. Right? We have yeah. Lady Gaga. We're throwing her to a role. Yeah. Let's, let's make a movie with her because she's popular well a star is born has been around it's been a while it's It's been around and there's copy of yeah yes i know it's it's been around i'm just just saying saying, like (laughs) we're taking a popular singer we're putting him in a movie not maybe to that extent yeah so like the eight mile purple rain where it's like it's their story they're the person that lived this and like the album is potentially more popular than the movie yeah that's the thing with this movie is this movie won awards because of this for the, the music, music yeah. yeah right and the music is i mean it depends on i guess it depends right. on who you are but the music's fucking phenomenal right so i i'll say i've seen this i've seen this multiple times it slipped through the cracks on my vetting the week when you passed yeah. it in but then when i told him he told me why and i was like you know what i'll watch purple rain on prince's birthday like let's there do it go. And so I hadn't seen this in a very long time, and I don't think I could have an actual conversation about it other than the music. <laughs> yeah. I, I can talk about the album plenty, but the movie itself I hadn't seen in so long. So it was nice to see it again. It's definitely interesting. It's not a bad movie. Like it's it's decent enough. And yeah, I, I, I think feel in like the beginning. I, I was gonna say like is what I was gonna say. You have a bunch of people who are not actors, and you're throwing right. them into a movie. So they're they're gonna do as best as they can. But is this actually his true story of like so his it's, upbringing? It's based on. It's like loosely based. I was on gonna say him. it seemed like such a cliche storyline. Yeah. Like everything was such a fucking cliche in this movie. See, and I think it's it's more bits and pieces. I think it's very very loosely based right. on. There are certain things in the movie, certain interactions with uh, other characters and stuff that inspired the songs, but it's not. It's not necessarily a like story that happened. Parents. That's not. Yeah. yeah. But that's actually. But the, his so, band, that's actually the revolution. And they all took acting lessons right. to be in this, right? And then uh, uh, Morris. Morris is actually Morris. Morris is actually Morris, Morris Day Apollonia. was the star of this movie. Dude, I'm sorry. Like, so if you, did you read the IMDb trivia on this? No. He was higher than a kite the whole time. And they had to have like stagehands like put him where he was supposed to be. No, so like there's scenes where you can see the stagehand in the shot. <laughs> ready to either like catch him or put him in the next spot wow i feel like That's his funny. acting was the best out of anybody who was yeah you know a singer coming into the into yeah. their role i mean uh, it was a very stereotypical t- 80s yeah you know yeah my wife funky. hated his acting she thought he was like <laughs> yeah, the fakest part I, I, of the whole movie i think movie. he's not well, not the best but see i thought he was better than friends i thought he was better than abalone abalone yeah abalone <laughs> is that is that her name it's apollonia apollonia yeah <laughs> I just wanted to clarify for him. Right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, 
I mean, yeah, did you enjoy it? Did you? I did enjoy it. I think really the notable part from everything was the soundtrack for sure. Yeah, yeah. The hardest part from this fucking movie, though, is like that I've seen the Dave Chappelle show. Yeah. And I I couldn't not help but think of Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories. It's like, welcome to the revolution. I literally told my dad about that. Game blouses. (laughs) Like, you know, you can't not think of Prince when he's interpreted that way. And like, Well, this was another technically listed as a musical. musical. That's yeah. not really a no. musical. My wife was really mad at me. She's like, this was basically more of a concert. Yeah. She's like, it, they weren't, you know, it was a little bit like your gripe about singing the rain. They're not singing about what they're doing. They're not singing. It's like, oh, he's back on the stage at the club. Mm-hmm. And here's the next song. Mm-hmm. So she's like, this is, this is a concert movie. Mm-hmm. And some of the songs help evoke the emotion and right. play into certain things. But, but you they can really see how don't... they tried the deer some Giant of the songs. music video to... is how she ended her thought. Yes, that's it's actually like not, a, not a bad way to, to sum it up. I mean, it really is. It was It's an album showcase almost. The album's coming out, the movie's coming out with it. And I read somewhere, I don't know how true it is because it's on the internet, but apparently whoever Prince was signed with at the time told him just because of the, the big pop stars at the time, kind of how the industry was going, basically said, I'm not releasing your next album until you're in a, a major motion picture. Whoa. So they went around and he helped write this and, and he was behind most of it. And I think whoever the producer that told him that ended up footing the bill for most of it because a lot of studios wouldn't, right. like they weren't interested. I know Richard Pryor, they said he had been approached mm-hmm. to do something with this movie and he turned it down and like they went around. So we kind of talked about our thoughts. What are your thoughts, Jade? I don't know. I feel like I'm like half and half. Like I feel like I was waiting for this conversation to maybe sway me either way. And we do that often. It, <laughs> it never works out. <laughs> yeah. It, it's crazy. One of the other things I read too is they actually had filmed most of the movie thinking his like he had like a protege. I can't remember what her name was, but in that role of. Apollonia or Ap- Apollonia? Now I'm Apollonia, yeah. Abalone? Apollonia, yeah, Abalone. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And so some of the, a lot of the lines are dubbed. So like I don't know how what type of screen you guys were watching on, but I I always find that really distracting. Yeah. Her she didn't have any singing. I actually read a little bit about that too. You reminded me because I didn't make a note. Dumbass. But uh <laughs> They they wanted to approach someone, I don't remember the name, but she was in a, a girl band at the time, right. and she had left the band right before they started production of this movie. Mm. So they didn't want her in because the whole point of her being was being in the girl band, right. and that's what she, they were going to promote her kind of thing. So Apollonia, I don't remember her last name, but that's her actual that's name. That's her actual name, yeah. Yeah. And the Apollonia 6, she was relatively unknown at the time, and he found her, and she actually couldn't sing. So I forget who they said so they sang someone... for her, but everything of her her lines and, and all of her music was dubbed. So, yeah. I, I have to say I at least earned the point because this was the greatest set we saw all week. Just putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, boys. <laughs> I was trying to figure out why people liked this movie, and I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. That was... We any more of that reasons. throughout the movie? This is worth sitting down for. And we didn't see it again. <laughs> no more. That was it. Yeah, Prince was kind of a dick, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I know you got to think too at the time, early 80s, right? This was probably cool as shit. Right. And like now looking back, you're like, God, it's so lame. But at the time, everybody was like, man, Prince is probably so fucking cool. 
Well, I have to relate it to a movie, and it, it has nothing to do with the 80s minus them traveling back in time to the 80s. Oh, no. But it's like hot of time machine, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like... This might be the first time you've referenced that movie in the podcast, it, actually. I think it has been, Which right? is strange, because considering... It's one of your favorites. It's one of my yeah. favorite movies. It's just... I don't know. Like, it, it was a different fucking time, and it's nothing that we can talk about because we weren't right. there. But like you said, I think this probably was a, just a fucking fantastic movie right when people Isn't saw it in weird? the 80s and like i'm wondering like from you who said like you had what 150 people come out yeah. like what was the demographic of people coming out older yeah o- older so, or like a little bit of the like strange so there's or, a well, good no. chance and that they saw this movie originally in yeah. the 80s yeah. and like that just stuck with them right. right i was gonna say for this nowadays too especially 2020s now that we've been here a few years i do think a, a lot of that's a weird thing that a lot of younger generations are grasping on to us. Yeah, yeah they, they they are nostalgic for the right. 80s even though they weren't around for it kind of thing. I like I was blowing Timber's mind cuz we have a, a baby that's 2 and it's like okay so in 15 years when she asks you like did did they really just have rap battles and warehouses? What are you going to tell her? Cuz like my wife was asking me, like did they really just go off at the club and like if they weren't doing well they dropped them as the band? And I was like, Hell yeah. Did, did they really have rap battles in <laughs> empty warehouses? <laughs> it's going to come one day, boys. You be ready for it. With, with, yeah. I think since you haven't seen this, I, I want to start with your rating of this, Jake. And it might be hard, but like we can't yeah. sway you yeah. based off yeah, of what we Yeah, you can't say. sway me with your rating. I'm going to go with a one. And that's just like the way they were able to, like it was a media powerhouse. Its ability to be an album, a movie, the videos, like if you look into the numbers, it's it's crazy what they did. I mean, I'll follow that up. I, I'd also give it a one. I, I, I mean, I thought the plot was okay. Like it wasn't the most original story, mm-hmm. and it seemed very cliche from what like my enjoyment of the movie. Like you said, it, it seemed like just one long music video. Like I, I like Prince. I, I like listening to his songs, and it was just. I feel like that's not done. Yeah, it right? just, I don't know that I've seen anything quite like this. Even Eight Mile, which is I think more than loosely based on Eminem's right. coming mm-hmm. up, and but like a long music video, an album showcase, right? I, I don't I don't know what else is out there that's actually like that, and I don't know that that would necessarily do well today, right? I'm not I'm not saying people's attention span interesting like to see. And shit, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, true. But it is it's definitely one of its one of a kind. Yeah, it's unique. And uh, and the soundtrack, this this fucking album is phenomenal, and uh, I would absolutely give it a one. And on my new home theater setup, I would give oh, it a two. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was rocking out. My neighbors probably hate me. I, I hear that. <laughs> so moving into Thursday, do the right thing. On the hottest day of the year, on a street in the Bedford duvescent section of Brooklyn, everyone's hate and bigotry smolders and builds until it explodes into violence. This movie was fucking insane. And I wasn't expecting how drastic of a turn it was going to take like, yeah. around the climax. Yeah. It was, just, it was a lot to take in. And I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed most of it. I think it gets a little confusing. Only because... Okay, I, I'll, I'll say... Because you've seen this, right? This yeah. is one you wanted us to yeah. watch. So I'll say I enjoyed most of it. I loved the view of the neighborhood, the conflicting ideologies, the kind of showing all sides, 
up to a point, right? I enjoyed the cast. Big, big fucking cast. Mm-hmm. Including Giancarlo Esposito yeah. bugging out. I yeah. was like, oh shit, I didn't know he was around earlier, right? I mean, right? I feel like everybody probably knows from Breaking, knows from Breaking Bad. Bad at this point. But uh, this is obviously a message movie. And I, I think it's tough to separate Spike Lee from the movie. Right. Like we were discussing earlier before recording, at least we were talking about Spike Lee and, and movies and messages and, and you know, it, I think it's hard to separate that. And so for this, it's obviously a message movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the message was very, very confusing down to the very end with the two conflicting quotes. You have the Martin Luther King Jr. quote, and you have the Malcolm X quote right, right before the credits. and. I don't know what what was your what was your kind of take on what you thought this was trying to say. I always do the right thing. Okay, so that's interesting. I right? feel like do the right thing is hard to pull out of this, though. Yeah. Okay. Like there is no, and and maybe that was a little bit of the point. And right. I, you know, I'm not denying that. Well, but. I think if you look at the actions that every character took from their perspective, they in fact did the right thing from sure. what they thought was the best, right? right? And I think the hardest one for me to wrap my head around was Mookie. Really? Okay, because he yeah. threw he he initiated the violence on Sal's store by yeah. throwing the trash can through the window. But if you really boil it down, and this is this is my take, and I think this this movie will spark more discussions than most movies, mm-hmm. just based on your interpretation of what was happening. Sure. But I think he was doing the right thing. Because he cared for Sal and his family. You think he was looking out for you think I was he gonna was say, because, taking the violence from them as people to like Yeah, the because of the story. there was gonna be violence regardless. And at that point in the film, I thought it could be taken that the mob mentality was gonna take their anger towards Sal and his family and could have just killed them right, right on the spot. And by throwing the trash can through the window, you are now focusing that mentality through the establishment, like, towards, not the towards person. something yeah. replaceable. Right, which right. was the business versus like those those three could have been killed easily because of the nature of everything that had transpired. Right. It it's it's fascinating to look at it, and it took me a while just to like get there because like I sat and I, me and Kristen watched this movie. She watched half of it, but I watched all of it, and I was just <laughs> I don't know. Not not a lot of movies make me just sit and think. Right. And this one made me think for a long time afterwards because it was, like I said, the climax of this film, it was so real and it felt so authentic and genuine. I think that's because of the characters that Spike Lee built up all the way up until these events transpired. And there's just like, there's a lot of discussion around it because you could look at it from Sal's point of view who he felt he was part of the neighborhood, but was he really fully... Part of the neighborhood, feeding those kids his whole life. Like he's so proud of that when he's telling uh, Pino not to be racist. Like Mm -hmm. this is where we get our. I was gonna say, yeah, he's he's twenty five years in that neighborhood. He knows all the kids. He's fed the kids till they're adults. He's fed the older people till they're older. He mentions those things, but is he really part of the neighborhood? Because when Radio Rahim, when he is killed by police brutality, right? he doesn't have the same reaction as the rest of the neighborhood. Like right. he's more thinking about the events that transpired with his business versus like the death of losing. Yeah. Somebody in the community. And that's why there's such an uproar because yeah. even though he sees himself as part of the community, he's really not embracing that community culture that everybody else does. Because when you look at the events that transpired, like you should be feeling all of those same emotions that 
one of your own was just killed, right? You know, out of an ruthless act of violence. But but he the way that he responds is what kind of invokes the anger. But how does he respond? He says, "What does he say?" He said, um, "Are you talking about like before his place is trashed, or it's like right in between after... when Radio Rahim dies? Yeah, when he's... they put him in the cop car and, and drive everybody's off. like looking, looking at him, at him. and yeah. he says, like, it is what it is. Not that exact right. quote, but it's kind of that, right? And he's like, yeah, you know, it was something like you got to do, what you yeah. got to do, or something. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. I think is exactly the quote, and." Obviously, his mentality is he did feel part of the community to an extent. He saw Mookie as his own kid. Right. He, even that conversation right before everything, I think that's what makes this the most challenging discussion is because of the discussion he was having. Let's make this Sal and Sons. And you guys are my sons. You're part of this business. Mookie, whether you like it or not, like you are a son to me. Like I see you as a son. Right. But then it falls apart so quickly that you have no idea. And I, I love this movie. Like it's, I think one of my favorites now, just right. because of what it invoked in me internally and my own thoughts about race and police brutality and you know just so many different conversations. But I don't know. I've been talking a lot, Jake. <laughs> yeah, uh, tell yeah. Us. So, so I have to say, I when the first, so first time I got to see it was um, right during like the BLM like stuff mm-hmm. um right during covid and it was really powerful for me then because something that sticks in this movie that like it's a hot day right it's like an abnormally hot day and so like just how much more you're on edge already, yeah everybody's right? at you're, their boiling you're point there. literally you're, you're <laughs> like it makes everything so much more difficult in your day in your life and you know everyone's dealing with it it's no one's fault it's just there and like that's how covid was can't be mad at anybody it's there like we're all pissed the fuck off about this thing that's going on Mm -hmm. kind of thing and so that to me is always the like they're already on edge like they're there you know so then i took this movie home and told my wife she had to watch it and we were like five minutes in and she looked at me and she goes if smiley dies you can fucking turn it off (laughs) yeah i'm not i'm not watching this shit if that kid dies so i say yeah it started off with a shot of smiley yeah 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 and so like and even later it ends with smiley too yeah later when he's like getting yelled at by pino in the street she's like don't beat him up don't beat him up and then like the fire she's like it hasn't shown smiley is smiley alive like yeah (laughs) so one of the interesting tidbits about this is that spike lee says his least favorite question that only ever comes from white people is why did mookie throw the trash can Mm. he says no one of color like asks him that question yeah and like i said i think it it's there's a lot to go into what the motivation behind that was and you can take it any any sort of way that you want to right whether like he never saw himself as part of that like he was just working for sal and regardless of anything that sal would be willing to do for him like he wasn't his family that's not and that's what I've seen, I think, Spike Lee say himself, is that the, which I, I, I don't know, that's, that's the confusing thing to me. He's, so maybe he's I'm like fucking switched, racist He or something. switched his mind in different <laughs> interviews. No, I'm serious. I've like looked really? at it too. Yeah. So like um, part of the Blu-ray we had actually had when he premiered this at Cannes and like the studio was like, we're not showing this in the States. You're going to cause race riots, like with what's going on. And like, even then at Cannes, he was very much like yep like sal's a racist like kind of thing and then like later he's kind of switched his tone to be like it's your interpretation of who's doing what for their community and that kind of thing Hmm. so 
but yeah, he's changed his mind a few times on this one. Uh, and it yeah, seems. I could, as I say, I could get the confusion because there's definitely multiple angles that could be perceived from this. And then it really boils down to kind of what you believe was the motivation be- behind everything. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just bugging out's fault, man. <laughs> I mean, he's just got his own. He, he did can, really instigate can, quite a bit. He can own his own pizza place with brothers on the wall, man. I don't know. I, don't well, know. I think that's the hardest part too, is like they were about to close shop. Right. And then he's they like, closed. they were yeah. literally locked. And then he's and like, let four more, more in. Two more yeah, let's four in. more in. And then it just like everything yeah. just like, and we've all had days where that, so where it's fast. like, we do the right thing, right? We let that extra person in and something happens and it's like, it's done. The day is ruined. Yeah, we've, zero to a hundred. Because right. he was even saying right before, like, we had a good day, guys. Right. Like, this was a really good day. And like. Had they just kept it locked like Mookie wanted to, man, the day goes so much different. Yeah. And I think what something Spike Lee did really well in this movie, and maybe you guys didn't notice it so much, but like the use of of angles in this movie between low angle, high angle, and Dutch angle. Dutch angle to show the tension between the characters who were talking, and then the low and high angles to show who had power in the scene versus like, yeah, like I'm looking up at you or I'm looking down at you. And it was just, it was absolutely wild. Like I couldn't take my eyes off the screen because of all of the use of those angles in this film, just because it was, it was so purposeful and intentional, which was, you know, beautiful in itself from a cinematic point to be like, hey, this is this is what I want you to feel because of this angle. I don't know. Absolutely incredible. I I really enjoyed this movie, but I I, I honestly think I need I th- I would watch again, absolutely. I say I need a lot more I feel like watches. I would, yeah. And that's what that's what I'm saying is it's confusing and you you've brought up a couple points that are angles that I hadn't really looked at, like him doing it for Sal. Right to to take the focus off of Sal and his family himself, and I guess I I kind of got hung up on the whole. It would have made more sense if Pino was kind of the instigator in the the way that you know the yeah. story was going. Right, it would have made more sense versus Sal. It would have made more. Yeah, the the violence would have made a little more. Just the way things went, if if Pino was the driver there. But Sal, you're setting up this whole time, and I thought it was interesting too. That I'm not sure if it was intentional or not. But the older generation of everyone uh, on both sides, right? You have the the mayor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mayor. And the mayor. Mother, sister. Mother, sister, and Sal yep. are all older generation. And they, have, they are the ones who are kind of advocating against the hate. And you have a lot of the younger crowd that are, that are more fired up and, and pushing the violence. And, and I don't know what, I haven't had enough time with it, I think, to kind of figure out, you know, was that intentional, which I'm sure, I'm sure it was, you know, I'm sure it was to a degree and what that actually meant for the story and for Mm -hmm. the message. And so this was a, this was a really, it was a very interesting movie. Yeah. Yeah. His, his cuts. And, you know, I think it's just making you believe everybody in his, you know, community he's made for you, but even just like, why are we cutting back to the guys on the street? And then they'd crack jokes for two or three minutes. <laughs> oh, those are some of my favorite bits of the movie. Yeah. 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 I was going to say like the first 75% of this film, I was just, I thought it was like more of a comedy and dark satire type film addressing stuff, but not really getting too personal. And then, like I said, that climax hit and it was like zero to a hundred real fast. Yeah. Well, it's like in doing that where like you said, like you literally just said not too deep, right? Not, you know, kind of touching on a lot. But he also does that while also building this community mm-hmm. that you you believe and buy into so well 
without having to kind of go overdevelop certain people and yeah. like the bits and pieces that you get and when you get them all play into kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're a part of it by the end, right? You understand everyone for the most part. I had to research Spike Lee a little bit because I knew he was p- portraying Mookie in the film. Mm-hmm. And I, he, he played the role of a 19 to 23 year old right. pretty well. And I was like, holy shit, if this guy's actually that age, like, what am I doing with my life? Right. You know? And then, like, I realized he's 32, which yeah. made things a little bit better. But I was like, holy shit, like, this is a powerful movie. Like, yeah. there, there's a lot, lot going on. And good for him. Yeah. I, I, I know his career hasn't taken off too notably between this and what Malcolm X, right? So, so he did Malcolm X, but he also did Black Klansman recently too. Oh, he did do Black Klansman. Okay. Yep. So that was him. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So the crazy part was, is so this was nominated for best picture and that was the year driving Miss Daisy one. Oh. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then the most recently when Black Klansman was up, it was, don't tell me it was the year of the green book. It was the year. No the way. Book. But he did get director that year. Oh, which wow. was really well deserved. But like, have ha, you seen the green book? Most of it. It was like in our theaters and I had to like go to meetings and stuff. So I saw most of it. Did I it deserve the, it? No, not that year. That's I haven't seen it, but not that year. It's not if one of those like it's, it, if you've seen it, you don't need to revisit it versus I feel like Black Klansman was like, yeah, I need to watch that again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed Black Klansman. Yeah, this was uh I think we've said this a few times on some movies, but it's just like one of those films that it it it's This is one we would like, go get a beer and talk gonna, about for hours. I was gonna say, like it's in the podcast, so you have so many other movies that you have to be yeah. you know, ready thinking of and yeah, yeah, ready to talk about. But you know, like you would dive into such a much deeper conversation with this film. Absolutely. And you would sit on it for a while and probably, you know, formulate your thoughts a lot better than what we have here right. over the last <laughs> well we've only had a few days and we've had three movies since then yes so like you know yeah. there's a lot to process here but i'll be the first to say this is definitely a one out of one for me this movie i it was a lot for me and like i will revisit this whether this summer or definitely after the podcast ends because I don't know. I just put it on the rewatch sheet. Yep. It'll be on the rewatch <laughs> yep. sheet. <laughs> yeah. I'd give this a one as well. It's one of my top. It's in the echelon of movies of like, if there's people that like don't understand what's going on or why people are upset, this is my like first, like, have you watched Do the Right Thing in a while? <laughs> yeah. I had never even heard of this film. So thank you, Jay. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. either. I hadn't either. But moving into Friday. Yes. Friday, 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 Friday. I might, I might jump back to uh, Purple Rain, and uh, my favorite part of that was the the password is what. <laughs> I had that in my notes. Like, why are they trying to do this Abbott and Costello yeah, bit for five it's minutes? Such a, it, yeah, it goes it's on like, so long, and it's, it's such an overused bit. Who has not bit. heard this joke? Like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> password is what? Huh? Huh? <laughs> well, they even they they hold it all the way until he goes and gets him. Yes. He goes up to him and whispers in his ear. What? what? Like, what? <laughs> it does not fit at all with the entire no, it rest of the movie. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, I enjoyed it nonetheless, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Now you can do Friday. <laughs> but yeah, Friday. So Friday was The U. The U. Yeah, ESPN's 30 for 30. The U. After years of indifferent results. New coach Howard Schnellenberger 
revitalizes the University of Miami's football program by introducing fresh blood and fresh attitude into the team. Cool. So I'll get into why I picked this one in yeah. particular. So the 30 for 30 series, which I know you guys are, are doing these movies, but it, they literally went out and picked 30 different directors to tell their favorite sports story. So if you look through the list, there's like Judd Apatow, yeah, like big they, there's big names that have done these and they're on like their fourth or fifth season now and they come out regularly. So okay. if there's stuff in there that piques your guys' interest, they're all worth a watch. But this one was in the like top five and I was like, yeah. I know we like some badass college football and like man was sports different in the eighties and nineties. Like, <laughs> like, this is just some wild West ass shit. Yeah. I've seen a few 30 for thirties. I've not seen the U I have seen the U part two. Oh yeah. You've seen the U part two, but I, not the U I've seen the U part two. The part two would probably be like NFL players. You remember like even, yeah, like I was going to say, Greg Olson I and... think it was, we were, it was mean fuss. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we that's just, what part two is, is it's it continue- literally five years later, they have the same type of like uproar in the people that they picked. And you looked at the list. It's like Ed Reed and Greg Olson. Greg like, Olson. Yeah. Third leg Greg, bro. Third leg Greg. <laughs> yeah. Third leg Greg. Yeah. They have and, a song. in the rap. Yeah. <laughs> third leg Greg. <laughs> yeah. So when I asked you like, which were, which were we watching? Right. I'm, I'm glad. Cause I had never seen the, you, I've only right. seen part two cause that's what was playing. And, you know, which has like famous people, but not yeah. as much. I thought this was a pretty cool little like, I, I don't know if I'd call it an underdog story, but it kind of is right. Because yeah. the Mi- Miami Hurricanes were kind of nothing, right? And then Schellenberg came in and was like, "Yo, like let's fucking start drafting from Florida. Like we have some good ass players here. Let's go win a national championship." And it was just interesting to see the progression of how the U became such like a powerhouse in college football. Like it was almost like zero to like, we're a fucking threat. You better watch out for us. In five years. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. That's insane. The amount of time that they turned the shit around. Right. Could completely around. And it was crazy too. Cause even though you said it's not the most notable players, there are still some pretty notable players yeah. who are being interviewed for this. You Michael know, Irvin. This I, had documentary. No, I had no idea. Michael Irvin went to university of Miami. Yeah. But like, I, I was actually surprised that they only won three right. in the 80s. Like, it, this seemed like a team that was like an Alabama of today. Of right. Like, they could have easily won well, every year. Well, that was year. an interesting part of it was how they lost the two in that five years that they should have won. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, this was, this was crazy. And I know, like I said, I've seen the U part two. So I know kind of the scandal that starts to develop right. more in the second. And they just hint at it in this first part. And then they actually have they have another thirty for thirty that's um, Catholics versus convicts. It's the oh. like Notre, oh, the Notre, Notre Dame, Dame versus yeah. the okay. There's like a whole separate one on just that issue. I would say like I think this kind of divulged into a lot of that whole stereotyping people and their backgrounds and everything. I think my biggest takeaway was just like how different collegiate sports are back in the eighties versus oh, yeah. now. Yeah. Where like oh, most yeah. of these players, like they talked about, they got thirty dollars a week on the weekends for food, and he's like, "Bro, I'm like three hundred pounds. Like thirty dollars <laughs> isn't gonna feed me. I'm gonna do what I need to survive." Yeah. Or like, I have a kid at home, so if I can use this bounty to my advantage, right. so that I can, you know, provide a good life for my kid, I'm gonna do it. And like, it was just, it was crazy. Like they started, they get into some really intense shit. I I think one of the crazier parts about to this one for me is like when they're all talking about Jimmy Johnson. Because, I mean, we've seen Jimmy Johnson, but we picture the Super Bowl winning coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His hairs always look perfect. Yeah, seeing him It looks like he's this. come 
from money his entire life. Like you yeah. have no idea that his backstory is he's the first person from his family that went to college and that they all consider him to be the first black coach of <laughs> yeah, Miami, sure. University yeah. of Miami. You know what I mean? Like that's a quote from the from the from show. The show yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do want to call you out though, because they even mentioned his hair though. They're yeah. like, I don't know how the dude maintains <laughs> right. his hairstyle yeah. with this humidity. humidity. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's true, man. That shit was beautiful. It was like a like a Lego piece. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that is a great way to compare it. <laughs> no, this was really good. And I think this goes into your talk about, you know, from earlier, Three Identical Strangers, of just how they kind of release the oh, information. This was night and day. I would say it was a very good progression of like yeah. we're starting at the beginning, we're gonna go to the end, and everything's gonna be testimonials from players of saying like this is what was going on, this is how we were feeling, this is like and then they had, you know, the tape to support everything that was well, happening. Well I th- I think that's a big thing that helped this that I don't know if uh, like I don't know how much and you talked about how much was footage that they just they had for three identical strangers versus how much they had that fit the story they were trying to tell, right? Their their narrative. But this, I mean, it's it's college football, right? There mm-hmm. there's no end to the footage that you have that you could pump into this thing. Right. Because you just put in background filler for, you know, whatever you're whatever you're saying. But I think this compared to Three Identical Strangers had enough content to fill the time. It allowed the tone and emotion to be set by the people telling the story. There was no, you know, f- kind of fabricated manipulative camera work and and pauses and you know it had enough actual footage that there were almost no replays there was a couple in there but it was very minimal and all the players and coaches interviewed were were so genuine in telling their story right that's another thing that that really draws you in and keeps you entertained of like we're from the project exactly it was it was they're excited to be there and tell this and this is a part of their life and there's no there's no dramatized off angle camera bs and you know and so this was this was great i really i really enjoyed this i i had no idea uh the university of miami like this this whole story of them i had no idea so I, I think it was funny that you mentioned that you didn't know Michael Irving went there, but there was, I think it was like 90% into the documentary and they showed a two second clip of players celebrating on the field. And I recognized the face yeah, and, I, yeah. was, and I, I was like, and I was like, is that who I think it is? Uh-huh. It was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Cause he used to be on that team. He was on the no team. Way. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So like, it was like, like you said, it was a two second clip. Yeah. I wow. saw his face. I was like, so then I had to go look to be like, is that actually The Rock? Like, because I had no idea his background. I just figured he was just always in like WWE because of his father and everything like right. that. And yeah, sure enough, like it was him. And he had the bald head. No shit. Yeah. Like he had the hair for WWE days, right. but like he was he was rocking <laughs> no hair. Rock, I think it was. Rocking. Good job. What? <laughs> yeah, smooth. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Dwayne yeah i know Dwayne rocking Dwayne rocking that was Johnson. unintentional folks <laughs> i think what was crazy though is i actually worked with an ex nfl bronco player mm-hmm. steve stool who went to the university of oklahoma so like mm-hmm. some of the games that they were showing was games that he probably was actually playing at right and that was just like crazy <laughs> to me to be like oh that's pretty cool hey you were there. I think I. that's what I like about the 30 for 30s is there's like, it's like a different era of sports in that like, I feel like a lot of it was like, you know, there's no replay. It's a little bit lawless. 
we can watch it now, but it's even I it was a hard pick between this one and the Bad Boys, which is on there, which is so good. Okay. You guys have got a spare spot. Like yeah, I don't that's I don't list. like basketball. And I've rewatched that one like five times now. I'm interested to get into our next movie though at some point. <laughs> Oh, so that's interesting, though, because one of the games came down to a bad call by the ref because right, yeah. there was an instant replay, right. right? And that cost them a national championship yep. because they thought he fumbled before the goal line, but he had you know, crossed the plane. Could you imagine how much faster and more fun the games used to be? Right. <laughs> Watching live. There's no... <laughs> we're going to take a commercial break. Yeah. Oh, a commercial? They punted? Yeah, yeah we're going to take a commercial. Well, I think that's what's interesting about this entire series or like just seeing some of what was going on and it still goes on today at some of the bigger colleges, but like the most we know is right is Montana state university football. And like, yeah, like we'd fill what 20,000 seats, but some of those games would fill like (laughs) 75,000, 80,000 fans. And like, that's just mind boggling for a college college. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like everybody, their mother, their sister, right. everything, like they're coming out to the game to watch this. And it was, it was really good. So I know you kind of narrowed it down to three. This was just one of the better ones that you've seen or? Yeah, I would say that this is one of the better ones that I've seen. And I feel like I knew you well enough and had an idea of like what Scott liked in the sense of like, yeah, let's go with a football one and like this story that not a lot of people have heard. Yeah. University of Miami. And just like I know, like we used to play Madden all the time. Yeah, it's like if you watch the U and the U Part Two, it's like most of that like most feared team yeah. that they release at Halloween <laughs> are those fucking. It's those guys. guys. It's those guys. I think what I wanted to look up, and I did, but to see if the U and the U Part Two were directed by the same person, just because oh, you were yeah, mentioning right. everybody got, you know, there's different directors, right. and it did continue the story, which is good because I think it was. The first one did so well that to carry that story, it would be weird to hand over. Switch it. Yeah. Well, it was same yeah. director. Yeah, oh, okay. part two is same director. Who who directed this again? It's a big name. You sh- you sh- it's not a big name. You is should it? look up his others. They they look like Mitch picks. If you want, if Mitch. I, well, Mitch's. I mean, I, he's he's I I recognize the name. I don't know if he's a big name. I guess Billy Corbin. But when I clicked on his like other movies, it was like you, oh. <laughs> yeah, you you wouldn't. You wouldn't Who recognize. Was, any was he of the this. guy at the beginning talking? Yeah. Well, the very like the thirty seconds at the beginning that explains why he picked his story for thirty for thirty. It's interesting how they sought after this man based off of his track record right? of right. I think there was like because he's this is part of the first season. I think it may have even been like an application process where like even amateur directors could have just submitted and said oh, like, like if you get chosen. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I say like I haven't. I couldn't recognize anything on here. Cocaine Cowboys. Right. The Kings of Miami. That was- <laughs> cocaine Cowboys sounds familiar. Well, there's a Cocaine Cowboys, Cocaine Cowboys 2, <laughs> Cocaine Cowboys, the King of Miami. I don't know. This was really great. I think this, like, it's, it's weird to oh, see the separation of documentaries. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how, they're very different. Yeah, of how the approach I, can be. Timber gets really mad at me because I tell her the only thing that's real in life is sports. And documentaries because we'll be watching something and like I'll start crying. She's like, What are you crying about? I was like, He just hit for the cycle and his the anniversary of his mom's death. Like, how do you not like like the only thing that are real are sports and documentaries, man? <laughs> I just say, Yeah, you can't change what has already happened, right. you know. Like this is factual evidence that you can go back and support. I don't know. I really enjoyed this. Uh one out of one for me on on the U. 
Uh, I would I would give this a one as well. We I enjoyed this. I think I think I I might even look up more. Yeah, because I've seen that the thirty for thirties are available a lot of places, at least the uh, the earlier seasons. Right. And uh, and yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this. The bad boys one is so. Yeah, definitely add that to the list. Throw that on next week. On Saturday, we watched Hustle. A washed up basketball scout discovers a phenomenal streetball player while in Spain, and sees the prospect as his opportunity to get back into the NBA. So, again, a new release that I hadn't seen before. So, Yes, yeah, just released this week on Netflix, right? Yep. Yep. So, this has been kind of heavily advertised. I, yeah, so we tried to get it as a theater. Um, interesting. Oh, really? We reached out to Netflix, and they said that they were only releasing it in markets that had an NBA team. And oh. they wouldn't, weren't even going to consider us. Interesting. And, and we even played the card and we're like, well, here's the population. Basketball is technically our number one sport between all of the tribes and where we are. Like, you can play basketball year round in Montana. Like, mm. they weren't about it. Wow. That's such a weird thing that you never think would, you'd have to deal with, right? Because, like, the Montana has no like professional sports teams of any sort. Right. So then, like, to negotiate that with Netflix, like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. To be like, hey, like this they would do. Ha- they weren't having it. I was gonna say this tried. would this yeah. would do really well here, and they're like, no, you don't. Nah, you don't have, have a, a team. Yeah, you don't have a basketball program. We're not talking Sorry. to you. <laughs> Dang, wow. fucking elitist. That was that was Mitch talk, not Jake talk. That was Mitch talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, pull that shit off me too. I've been Netflix shilling for months. <laughs> it's all about that Apple TV, folks. <laughs> I honestly thought this was quite the surprise. I, I enjoyed this movie, but I have also recently liked more of adam sandler's later roles uh anything past jack and jill i would say <laughs> i know i this has me this and watching i was watching an episode i had it on the background or i think it just came on it was uh norm mcdonald's like interview show yeah that came out i think it was on netflix maybe and he was talking to uh david spade and they were talking about the do-over i think oh and so yeah. i might end up adding that to the list like but the it netflix flies against movie, everything right? i stand for so I'm not sure if that's that was what one not. of the four that he signed up for yeah. when he did the Netflix. Yeah, what deal? was the the ridiculous six or whatever? Yeah, and then that one and then didn't I don't we, know. Didn't we watch one of them? The we murder mystery, the murder one? mystery. Yeah, which we actually liked. Yeah. Okay. So it could be there. No, I thought this was. Uh, I I enjoyed this movie. I like Jake. I'm not the biggest basketball fan. I probably could name three people who are playing in the NBA right now. That probably beats me. Is <laughs> Steph Curry still playing in yeah, the NBA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I can LeBron name one. James and LeBron oh, he's James. still playing too. I thought he was just doing and Joker uh, and Joker. Yeah, Space he's won James. MVP you... twice here in in Denver. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. You put the you put the name out there. I thought it was weird that he produced it and wasn't in it. Yeah, compared to the yeah. the other stars that are in this. Like, yep. Yeah. Do you you gave money to this and you didn't want to be in it? Like, well, maybe he saw the the aftermath of Space Jam too. But even like, like a, I can't do a, it. <laughs> like think of all the guys that were on the sideline. Like that were even like like Luca Donic was like literally a FaceTime video that's like three seconds. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And that, they pulled every goddamn coach they could get yeah, a hold of. And, yeah. I was gonna say, if anything, like for a basketball connoisseur like right. this movie's gonna you hit been, every you would have been minute. like oh there he is oh i know that guy oh yeah, yeah like holy it's shit like, they got that guy like to when be you and i watched rescue rangers pretty much yeah i fucking love <laughs> rescue rangers dude all the, the callbacks to everything <laughs> i i think that this one for me it was like all they did was follow the like typical sports movie script 
and the the like montage like don't get me wrong i'm all about like a good rocky scene so many montages but it was so long like i was literally and there's two of them yeah there's two of those long i was watching it and it was just like uh, how much time has gone by and like (laughs) paused it and then went back to it and it still did it for like another two minutes yeah I went from it from the way that they portrayed the montage and I thought like the transitions between themes and like the types of camera shots that they were using kept my interest enough from like a cinematic point to be like, Oh, that's pretty pretty cool. Right. right? And I just like, I didn't really get into the scope of time of how long it was. But like, now that I think about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, those, those dragged on quite a bit. I'm about it. Like I, you can show me the change in character, but it was like, I feel like you're treating me like an idiot right now (laughs) that I need to watch this dude run for five minutes. Like he ran, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, he got beat okay, by the yeah. bike. We know now that he's going to be beat, beat the the minute and whatever yes, mark. We know exactly. it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I I agree with both of you so much. I I don't know how that helps, <laughs> <laughs> but but I a hundred percent felt this way watching the movie. But at the same time, there was enough interesting things to it that I was like, I'm st- I'm still enjoying this. Like I'm not against it, but. Yeah, there, there's so much montage in this movie. I don't think I've seen anything like this in a long time. <laughs> They're just like, we're going to throw some music and, and just have some quick cut scenes for like five minutes. Right. <laughs> See, I guess my biggest gripe with the film was the fact that it went past the combine. Because everything was leading up to the combine. Yeah. Even the way that he had to get into the combine through social media and like the, what was the name of the challenge? Hashtag Boa challenge. Yeah. Boa challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. Like everything that led up to that, like, okay, this is going to be his moment. He's in a shine. And then like, he doesn't do well. Like he gets caught. I feel like that was again, the, the new classic. Right. Sports movie it's, thing. Right. Yeah. Where it's the, like the original classic the is guy, you, like you build up movie. Yeah. You build up and then boom, you win. You're awesome. But yeah. now they're like, everybody expects that. So we're going to trick. We're going to knock we're your gonna ass build down up, again. Yeah. And then we're going to have it happen again. And then gonna I don't know. Like, it just seems so. Fat like, Thor, yeah. And then you come back. Exactly. <laughs> I say it just seems so <laughs> unnecessary to like have that additional game. When, yeah. like I said, but. I guess that's falling into the traditional sports trope and right. everything that people expect. And like, I don't know. I enjoyed myself. Like I'm not it, a basketball it, that, fan. You're right. I think it was enjoyable, but there's like zero part of me that needs to watch that again. And like, I feel mm-hmm. like if someone asked me, should I watch this? It would be a real judge of character of like, are you the type of person that likes to like, here's the, like you're listening to the same song. Like, you know, the story already. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be okay with that at the end of the day? Yeah, absolutely. You should watch this. It's great. Like versus someone Are that's you like, looking for something to coast? Yeah, exactly. This is your movie. It, it's cruise control, right? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like sports movie cruise control. Yep. See, I, I already recommended this to like Kristen's brother. Yeah. Just because he follows basketball. He loves basketball. But once, I'm like, right? Like you're not going to watch it again. Yeah. I don't know if he'll watch it again. Right. I don't know if I'd watch it again. Like I thought it was a better Adam Sandler role from the past. Like I said, I thought he did a pretty years. good job. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and, and I'm. I'm pretty critical these days of of Adam Sandler, and I I feel like maybe even on the podcast we've talked some shit, and I know like Red Letter Media, you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm I fully support the Adam Sandler, uh, what what do they call it the the conspiracy theory that Adam Sandler's just paying all his friends, right? And yeah, whatever, you know what I mean. I'm about it, but uh, but, but you know what, like I 
I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah. Yeah. I, a- I was kind of surprised that I, despite, and like you said, I mean, I've seen maybe two basketball, two professional, two NBA games in my whole life. No, a Houston no Rockets game. say that the dog can't play. Let the dog play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Airbud, maybe different, different. Stop seeing three professional seen three basketball. professional ba- was Flubber professional at college? <laughs> well, he was a professor at the college. You're, oh, shit, you're right. Uh, it's been a long time since I watched that, too. But yeah, I've seen a Houston Rockets game because I grew up in Houston, and I've seen one Nuggets game, and that's it. And I feel like this movie was just a bombardment of references that 97 maybe percent of I did not right. get, but... I knew that they were references somehow. I right. thought that was interesting that you can you can watch a movie and not understand the references, but still get the vibe that okay, this is the obviously someone. Love this. Yeah, this is someone that I would know if right. I knew basketball. So I think what was interesting, and I did my own outside research, but the the guy who played Bo Cruz is an actual NBA player, mm-hmm. and from what I read, is he's not good. Like he's oh, really he's like really good at the game or like he's just a good not person? he's just not a good player. Okay. Like his skills are like subpar. But I think that kind of goes to show you the level that like these guys play at. The fact that he is able to do everything that he was doing in like the montage scenes and like hitting the yeah, threes the drills and everything. And stuff, yeah. He's still just, not a very I was just, good NBA I was just saying, player. He's not a good NBA player, <laughs> right. but he's like he's levels above anybody right. who thinks he they could like my be up and in the court. fucking NBA. Like the caliber that these guys play at, and like shooting isn't even like his strong suit yet. I, and again, you can make anything work for a movie. Like you right. can film that shit a hundred times, and he hits one shot. And you're like, all right, we got our montage Reuse scene. <laughs> Reuse it. Like I said, I think at the end of the day, I just can say I enjoyed. It was. Mm-hmm. It was a decent Netflix movie. Adam Sandler did well, and honestly, the the non actors in this, I thought did. Fine. Really good. Yeah. So I will say uh, quickly, new job, new schedule, ending on this and Jurassic World yep. worked much better than I thought it would. Okay. Because I think this was definitely, like you said, cruise control. Uh, it's, it's a shut off and enjoy the ride right. kind of thing. You know what's going to happen, but you're still like, I'm going to watch it anyway. I mean, here we are. And I think it's very good at that. And I don't know if that means it's a good movie because it accomplished what I'm assuming it intended to accomplish. But hey, that's all I got to say. One out of one for me. <laughs> I give it a one. I, I have it written in my notes. I also have one in my notes and a one in my brain. And so we got three ones for Hustle. Wow. I, who would have thought? Adam Sandler movie. Another one. Another Anoth- one we watched that another we liked. One. <laughs> another one. All right, we ended the week I, I on really, Sunday. I really want just to insert the like bad recorder Jurassic World, <laughs> Jurassic Park song while he does this. Which they never played in its in entirety, entirety, but we'll, yes. we'll, we'll talk about okay. it. Okay, <laughs> you heard it here, Jess. Jurassic World Dominion. This is a long one, actually, from IMDb itself. Four years after the destruction of Isla Nublar, dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. 
This fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on a planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures in a new era. Okay, real quick before we dive into this. Oh, I have more. You said Isla Nublar. Yep. And that's how I would say the word Isla. And that's how I feel like anyone who is of sound mind and reason would say the word Isla. So it's not. In the movie. Isla. It's right? Isla. Isla. It means Isla. Island in Spanish. Isla Nublar. I Nublar. thought it was Rica. Isla. Isla Nublar. I'm sorry. I even looked up a, a YouTube. Like Spanish. I looked up our Spanish. guy. Spanish how to pronounce How to words. pronounce this word. <laughs> Isla Nublar. I'm but sorry. Isla Nublar. All right. My first comment, and it happened early on. But it's a national treasure quote. The secret lies with Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think about. I was like, they kept mentioning Charlotte. And I'm like, okay, the secret lies with Charlotte. Okay. So I, the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom came out when I had movie pass. And I was going three times a week to the Ooh, theater. Yep. Um, Good times. And I, this, you know, you guys are going to hate me for this. And I've heard it on the podcast. I was dying laughing in the theater. Like I was laughing out loud at scenes that weren't supposed to be funny and I got shushed. Oh. Yeah. I was one of those. In Fallen Kingdom? In Fallen Because it was just, the plot and everything was just so laughable. I okay. was so before, excited. Before we jump too far, I don't know if you saw the spreadsheet, but Fallen Kingdom is on the list for this upcoming week. We both Scott walked out of this. Haven't seen oh. it. We both have not seen it. And we both walked out of this being like, I don't really know what the fuck was happening. Oh, so I feel like we oh. need story. So I took, I'm, I'm taking the hit. I didn't originally, <laughs> I had all my movies full and then I saw that it was on FX right now. So it's free. And I figured we better watch this bitch before we have to pay for it. So we are going to watch Fallen Kingdom this coming week. Okay. Anyways, I got shushed for laughing at the plot in Fallen Kingdom. And it may be the only movie I've ever been shushed in. <laughs> uh, so then watching this, right, and I, I, like I said, I helped manage the movie theater. I got to watch it by myself early to make sure that, quote unquote, the sound was right. I kept having to turn it down. Um, it's a loud fucking it's loud, movie. It's a loud movie. Um, but I ended it, and I was like, no, that's not, that wasn't that bad. But I think it's like, you know, you, you're at the school. If a kid's getting all Fs and all of a sudden pulls off a C, you're like good fucking job buddy like good for you you know what i mean and that's how i feel is like it wasn't that it was good but you just went from an f to a c this like, is way better than jurassic five. world which i did see yeah and i hated with a passion yeah and so yeah that that's my only comment that's about the this best one, way like, to put it yeah that is incredible actually this movie was like this was a c this was full requel bro like, let's bring both casts oh, together. The, the, At least this is the finale, right? They're not trying to right. continue on the story. Like, this is supposedly oh, okay. the culmination you, of the series. You, you no, poor you, boy, you. I was going to say, money is money, right? Jurassic World pulled in a billion dollars. too. Well, dude, <laughs> fucking Mormon time. Like, <laughs> There's no way that's real either because they flopped on their second theatrical release. I'm just saying Jurassic World no brought in a billion dollars. So how, yeah. how do you not milk this market for everything that it's worth? Yeah. And regardless of this, and regardless of the opinions of everybody on the internet right now, which people do not like this fucking movie. Right. Because there's plenty to not like about right. this movie. Sure. I'll, I'll be the first. I didn't like this fucking movie. <laughs> I, even Tristan, I was talking to her. We saw this. <laughs> Me, Scott, and Tristan. 
And Kristen initially afterwards liked it, but the more she sat on it, yeah. the more she thought about it, she's like, is this even a dinosaur movie? Right. Like, how much did the dinosaurs impact anything in the story? An another thing that we talked about at the theater that I work at is, like, we do live in this incredible era of, like, really well-done series. And that's what this felt like, of, like, oh, here's a little bump, like, in the story, like, a little bit of a climax. And then you kind of went on for another 20 minutes and got another little climax. It's like, was this supposed to be a, like, six-parter? This could have been a TV show. Yeah, for, especially for, like, you know, we're yeah. watching things like The Mandalorian and mm -hmm. Kenobi and, like, even Game of Thrones, where it's, like, you anticipate the, like, high-low of an episode, you know? And, like, did this have anything, and like you said, at any point did I feel... Okay, but at least in those shows, there were stakes. Yeah. In this movie, I never felt that anybody was at risk because right. of, like, this culture of plot there armor dinosaur now. stakes. The there one, were the underground underground got... dinosaur states. Yeah, they the black market dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> what I'm trying to say though is like like there was no suspense that was built in this movie. Like you knew nobody was going to fucking die. Right. And like at, if they tr had the balls to do it to and like just kill any one of them. It doesn't Especially matter. Especially the old characters. I say it doesn't matter. Just kill That's one of I them. That's what I thought. I thought they were going to off uh Dr. Malcolm. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Goldblum. When he's yeah, waving the fucking I thought it was like this torch is his above way his head. Out. I was like, this didn't really lead up the best way to be the most impactful, but I'm impressed that they're going to do it. At least they're going to do it. No, they're not going to fucking do it. Yeah. Everybody lives. Okay, this. I love that you brought up that scene, though, because this was one of my biggest fucking gripes with the movie. I don't know if you guys saw it. But so, like, they're climbing up the we ladder, right? The movie. What? You did watch the movie. I know you saw it, yeah. but, like, I don't know if you caught it, is what I'm trying to say. So, like, they're climbing up the ladder, and, like, he's waving the torch, right? And they're all just standing there looking at him about to die, and then he doesn't die. Whatever. But then Chris Pratt and What's-Her-Face, they're... And Adorn is the actor. Yeah, they're hanging on the ledge. If you watch the jump backs between them and the dinosaur, they change positions three times. Like, they're... One, they're hanging from the ledge. Yeah. Next, they're both up on the ledge. The next one, one of them's pulling the other one from the ledge. And this it's like, is a how... Jurassic World special. I know. I'm just saying, like, this is a blockbuster film. I, that's what I'm job. telling you. How did... I'm telling you, this is a Jurassic World special. And I can tell you that because as of recording right this second, I have already watched the first third of Fallen Kingdom trying to get ahead of movies this week. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, how do you and let that- And that happens so many times. How do you let that get past- your editors, right. your director. I mean, there's so it does like there's so many people who oversee this film. It's like the fucking Starbucks cup right. in Game of Thrones. It's like, how did eyes not see this? Right. And this is one of your more suspenseful moments in the movie. So right? this is something that I was going to maybe save until like this is unfair because I have a little bit of a fresher. Like I said, I've watched the first third of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, but I noticed. When I was looking up our, when I pulled up our, our AMC, my ticket, right? This is still being released in 3D. I didn't know anything was released in 3D anymore, <laughs> to be honest. I didn't know that was still a thing. The real D3D? Yeah. That's still a fucking thing. Yeah. And they gave you the what? glasses and shit? I guess. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Do, do y'all no, uh, do experience we any of that? that. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. It's in IMAX, it's in Dolby, and then they had, boom, 3D. It may be IMAX 3D even. So maybe even... Does the 3D More glasses specialer. magically fit the fucking continuation errors in the <laughs> no, movie? No, that's what, I'm, that's what I, th I think. There's so many scenes that 
and I think that's why 3D hasn't stuck around as much. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it happens more than I know, but I never go to see 3D. I wear glasses already. I typically don't want to put in contacts just to go see a fucking movie because then my eyes are going to be dry the whole time. But I feel like 3D has dropped off quite a bit. Yeah. From its early from 2010s Avatar. Avatar. boom. Yeah. yeah. Really what it is. And so I feel like that is a huge driver in these movies and the way that the scenes are constructed is to accentuate. I feel like the priority is in certain action scenes, the 3D. And it's something we, it's more subtle now because we don't see it a lot. And I feel like they're trying to not make it the priority, but I feel like a hundred percent in this movie, there were scenes where I was like, if this was in 3D, this feels like stereotypical 3D. I mean, I and then I found out after, oh, this fucking was in 3D. I mean, I get that, but like, why would a studio try to push that agenda if you know, like your largest, that's what like, I'm saying. I don't know. Like, consumer is not going to go see this in 3D. Like, I don't know. I, that doesn't make Why any would sense. that be a priority? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you threw this on the list. And like I said, you might have been shooting yourself in the foot for a perfect seven out of seven. No, movie. I wasn't going for a perfect seven. <laughs> okay. But I knew that as a theater, we were getting it. And so I thought, like, to kind of continue the tradition you guys had said of, like, um, oh, like one in the theater. Movie this theater week. Yeah. of the week. Yeah. yeah. I knew you guys weren't having an opportunity to see Purple Rain like I was. In, in the, the theater. theater. Yeah, yeah, I would have preferred that. And well, I actually had a pretty good setup for that. Right. But. <laughs> you want to know the point that this movie lost me? Do you really want to know? The Minions trailer before it, it started. Was it Chris Pratt <laughs> grabbing the oh, I was going to say, yeah. It was, uh, I was like, Star-Lord must be training hard with Thor to be able to wrangle a fucking dinosaur. Oh, yeah, okay. Off a horse at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Like, he's just like, Around oh, the tree stump. yeah, it's no big deal. I got the hand strength of a god. And then, like... That plays nothing into the rest of the movie. Like that was part of my problem. That like the the entire exposition did nothing for the rest of the film. Like why even show it? Right. And then if you look at like what they released and then what they cut out of this film, like there's so much discussion as to like what this movie was supposed to be, and then like what they made is. a director's cut of like okay, that's not going in the movie. That's not going to go in the movie. And then you get this pile of fucking garbage that it that it was. It doesn't make any sense because the doctor, uh, Steve Jobs, you know whatever the fuck his face is. Oh my yeah. god, it's, he was supposed to it's Tim Cook. It's Tim Cook. That's what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, I just okay, it's hundred percent Tim so Cook. I had the Time Magazine this week, and I took a picture because I wanted to show you guys. Like, there's no fucking way they didn't do this on purpose. Yeah, I'm like, very familiar can't with tell Tim me Cook. That's the first. That, that is I not the dude that was in yeah. the movie yeah. we watched. Like that. Is he even snacking? He's not snacking. He should have been snacking. Okay, so that's part of it. So supposedly in the original script, Tim Cook, right? He had a genetic disease, which is why he put so much effort yeah. into you know and- collecting the girl and the dinosaur that reproduced because he was trying to cure his own disease. Then there was another, again, and, and read I it off pick, the internet. You yeah, read it off the I internet. I picked up on that, like the but first like, scene, because he's the, forgetting stuff and like, yes. rambling. Okay, the black guy, yep. uh, his assistant, was his clone. That's what I... The black on, guy. I my swear, God. His you swear. need to watch oh, Jesus Do Christ. the Right Thing right now, pal. Oh, my God. I, I swear. What's his name then, Scott? What's his name? It's Jean-Baptiste, right? Because it's, it's um, Colbert's sound guy. Yeah, I, I was talking about in the movie. I totally knew that. <laughs> he did Up, right? Ramsey Cole. Ramsey From Ramsey. the movie. Yeah, Ramsey. Ramsey Cole from Ramsey, the movie. Ramsey Bolton. Well, that's his name in the film. Ramsey Cole is supposedly his fucking clone. 
Like, because he's talking about in the initial meeting, he's like, you see this guy? Yeah. He's taller than me. He's better looking than me. He's smarter than me. Like, it's supposed to insinuate so, okay. that this was his clone. Like, wow. they cloned a black I, I guy up on it. from a white guy. Wow. But they took that part. Probably smart. Oh, <laughs> just from a marketing standpoint, even, but from a whole sort I'm just of- saying. This thing had what a, the fuck? a whole fuck wrong. And like, and that's the reason he's supposed to be with like Dr. Malcolm, right? Is that he also learned to be more ethical than his yes. previous. That's why he goes against them. Right. All right. Anyways, I think what the movie kind of did well was the nostalgia piece of the previous five movies of tying in quotes or things that if you were a fan of the series, you probably enjoyed seeing that on screen or hearing that on screen. My only problem was with the ending of this film and the Gigantosaurus oh, or whatever the fuck God, you want to call it. Gigantobigosaurus Rex. I have no idea because you haven't seen Fallen Kingdom and I don't want to blow it for you, but it ends with the same 30 second montage you saw at the end of this one. Well, I thought Jurassic <laughs> World ended with the same fucking montage. You have one. T-Rex versus bigger T-Rex, but then like Why do they always T-Rex... go bigger? I'm so glad they didn't put that in yeah. the movie. It was, it was say, just yeah. for the trailer. T-Rex and another dinosaur fight bigger T-Rex to like, haha, we win. I guess my problem with this one. That's was like, literally how Fallen Kingdom ends. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but like Gigantosaurus, Rex, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> and, and Fallen Kingdom's montage is better. Ooh. All right. Yeah, well, at least better. we get to see how it's I, I didn't feel like he was a threat this movie. Like the other movies had like 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 the, the Velociraptors. Predator I was gonna say lived. the Velociraptors from the original characters tell us that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. But like the Velociraptors from the first movie seemed like a fucking threat. And the T Rex was Why? like this yeah. vigilante, right? It was the protagonist of the film. <laughs> but for this one, it was like this dude's just trying to live its fucking life. It has no beef with the T-Rex. Right. It's just like, yo, I'm going to eat this deer. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off, right? And then the only reason there's a conflict is because Biosense or whatever the fuck, you know, Apple's headquarters <laughs> forced them into- Medical Apple. Forced them into this, like, situation to where, like, they're going to be too close and they're going to fucking fight anyways. And he gets help from Swiper with the claws. Yeah. <laughs> Freddy Krueger dinosaur. Oh, my God, <laughs> I know. And the fact that he pushes him into him and he just happens to impale him with the- Oh, my God. I don't know. There's oh there's a lot God. that I didn't like about this movie. Okay, I can I say one thing that I loved about this movie? Please. Dolby. <laughs> okay, it was pretty sick in Dolby. <laughs> Which I think This brings, was the movie to go see in Dolby. I think that brings in an interesting just Jake was asking on the way here about Dolby and what made it Dolby. Did you guys have what Dolby Atmos? Well, we have a yeah, we have a Dolby uh, like IMS, so that's what controls our sound and our projector. So like when we get sent the movie, it's not our projector physically. Like we have a, a company that's called the Christie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a like middle tier type of projector, but this thing that's sending information to the projector is Dolby. So I was just curious if it was something you guys had been like. Something that was marketed to you, like is it the projector? Is it the sound? Is it both? It's is both, it like... and it's not just Dolby because obviously, I mean, everything, every every right. movie in existence right now is Dolby at 5. least five point one. Yeah. yeah, yep. And so the the Dolby theater experience is just we refer to it as Dolby. That's how it's pretty much referred to yeah. by them as well. But it's Atmos mm-hmm. and Vision. Gotcha. 
So the the contrast of the screen is unbelievable. That's one of the things they show to, even in their preview of like in the theater this was black. Right. This and is they cut down Dolby. to actual black. Yeah. And it's night and day. it's off basically, yeah. right? But it's still the projector's still on kind of thing. And then the sound wise it's moving both, audio. It's both moving audio, it's Atmos all, you know, all around you and they have the the design, the sound design in the theater is you've got probably I feel like I've looked and counted, but maybe like seven or eight centers yeah. in the front. And then you've got stacks all the way back. Yeah. Right. And then you've also got the butt jiggle. You yeah. Yeah. The butt I'll jiggle. Say, yeah, yeah. The subs. You've got, you've got sub They're They're not exactly speakers necessarily though. It's more of a tactile thing. And yeah. I don't know how they, well, according to it Google, might just be transducers really that are, I was going to say, according to Google, 64 speakers are used in Dolby Cinema. Yeah, I don't know what the comparison is of centers to right. Yeah, everything is, but yeah, I'm just saying from what I've literally looked up before the and lights counted. go out, and just yeah. out of curiosity. But yeah, yeah. So we we sound I sound tested this one by myself this week, and I got to admit I have like a weird irrational fear of Velociraptors. Like that's the nightmare I still have. Like as an adult, oh, yeah. Small, yeah. So like I turned it down because I wasn't dealing with that shit. Like I don't, <laughs> you know. They fucked that. Yeah, it was loud. It was a loud movie. This was a loud movie, and that's and what I, we were trying to figure out, right? Because we so something cra- crazy part about running a theater is like if I expect even a hundred people to be there, all those bodies absorb so much sound, um, and it sounds very different, right? Mm-hmm. Than if I'm watching it by myself, empty. Yeah. So I kind of have to think about that. Of like, okay, like Friday and Saturday, if I expect two hundred people to be here. Kind of got to bump it, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So, but this was one that was like, no, we need to turn it down. And that's what we were trying to figure out was like, was the sound design just like louder in this film, or was it because we were sitting close? Because Scott and I are kind of pulling the Sheldon from like Big Bang Theory of like, what is the optimized spot in a theater? <laughs> I, right? Okay, with my new home theater setup, I have been extensively researching in my little free time that I have, and I literally this is the first time I think ever. During a movie that I pulled out my phone and I had it down, I didn't disrupt anyone. I had it by my side, but I popped open my DB meter yeah. because I was curious yeah. at what the fuck this movie was peeking at. Because Kristen was sitting next to me, holding her ears, yep. and I was even doing that at times in some of the action scenes. And we were peeking at around 104, 105 decibels, which at at least at the scene that I was, I said that's a straight stadium sound. Yeah, that's loud. Yeah, so we we all have uh, like Apple Watches that we use, mm-hmm. and we'll sit in different parts of the theater. We really don't want to peak above like ninety five yeah. for the yeah. action scenes. Um, but again, it's all about like, oh shit, there's three hundred people in here, like we got to bump it. Yeah, yeah, of course. But you got to think too. With I mean, I I would think y'all probably care more, right? Right than than an AMC theater with right. all the teenagers that are just getting paid out the ass to sweep up nothing because they don't even do that. Can't tell you how many movies we've been to the last couple of weeks that we've. Oh, there's popcorn in your seat. Oh, you didn't go to Top Gun either. I didn't go to we, Top Gun. We could barely walk after yeah. the movie. We were stuck to the ground. <laughs> but uh, that's a different story. And I'm not, I'm not about complaining about theater experiences anymore. We've, we've done our time. But yeah, I'm sure y'all care a lot more than this particular theater is. So I'm sure there's a set, you know, for a Dolby theater for the size, for right. the, the seating and everything. 
I'm sure they don't give a shit about bodies, right? right. They're just going to put it to whatever their standard is. And so if this movie is actually louder, if it's mastered louder than your typical movie, that's very interesting. And I don't know if, I mean, like I said, I think Dolby was a great experience for this. The stomps, the roars, you feel everything. There was one scene with, uh, I forget his name from the original. He's talking and the, the something's behind him. Alan? Yeah. And and I think it was the the gigantic gigantosaurus rex whatever was behind him and like does a, a low you know whatever that's behind you right. where we are right so that's really cool the spatial aspect of things in this movie but yeah this motherfucker was loud yeah the crazy part was is you know everything that comes to this like five point one it's like yeah okay you did a cheap like the plane flew over mm-hmm. like halfway through this like from the moment the universal like crawl came up and you can hear the like bugs behind you you know what i mean like the the swamp sounds kind of thing mm-hmm. we knew it was like okay this is actually what yeah. like 5.1 and 7.1 are made for mm-hmm. it's like this mm-hmm. yeah so dolby just dolby theater just doubles that i mean you get high low you get it's all over you and we've been experimenting with where is kind of best to sit and this is the first i mean from where we usually sit which i won't give away that's our own proprietary research that i don't want people getting their hands fridays at four (laughs) o'clock that's my time (laughs) that's my time but we sat probably i think what four rows so we were closer closer than we we usually are and so i do feel like being so much closer to the center and the the angle of the theaters are so much lower Mm -hmm. than especially having just seen Top Gun and IMAX where it's stadium. It's like steep. This is so much lower that I know with every, what is it? What is it? uh, Because sound is exponential. So it's like every doubling of distance away from is like six decibels or something. Right. So I was kind of trying to do that, figure that in a theater. And I'm like, man, so if we're here, which I'm not saying where we were, (laughs) (laughs) but if we're here and we're like a row or two back, I feel like that is prime positioning. Right. We'll so find our Sheldon spot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think this was a really good Dolby experience. I have to, I think, equate this to Moonfall. That, like, the experience, the experience was, was a good. one. Yeah, the movie, the movie shit. fucking sucked. <laughs> and it has to be a zero from me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's hard because I did enjoy myself to an extent but it was like i said i pulled out my db meter i was like thinking during the movie i was doing everything but watching the movie for certain parts so yeah i don't think i think i gotta give this a zero all right but i really want next week when you guys do your recap (laughs) and like you think about fallen kingdom yeah i want you to maybe reconsider like my conversation about f's to c's well, and I was thinking Jurassic World to this, and I think this is way better than yeah. Jurassic World even. Yeah. So I, I did come out of this also being for okay. the most part. Being, being like, like, I think this is probably one of the most indifferent movies right. walking out of the like theater that I've ever Like they improved on the product that you, I'm like, you this fucking was, hated. This yeah. was fine. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I'm not mad about it. Right. But I really don't care. Yeah. Right? I'd, I'd give it a zero too. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> Zero for zero in Jurassic World <laughs> Dominion Gigantosaurus Rex. Gigantic 
Gigantoracus Dwayne the Rock Johnsonosaurus Rex. I think you're missing mixing up the U and Oh, was that the football one? Yeah, never yeah. mind. <laughs> Prehistoric Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah, I, that was definitely my favorite. That one and all the little you know, I will say, trying to be positive about this, I did like, which I don't know if Fallen Kingdom does this, but I don't think Jurassic World did. I think that was one of my biggest issues with that too was this one, I feel like they use practical effects enough. They mixed yeah. in practical they effects. They did mix it in. Yeah, that it did tell. feel a little... Like the original. More, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, this is a puppet. That's yeah. CGI. That's a puppet. That's CGI. Mm-hmm. I think that's the shit part, though, is that you can see the stimulus the fact that you it's had a shit between part the now. two. Yes. Yeah. I would have rather them like went all in on one or the other versus like yeah. mixing in one or the other, but... I'm just one guy money, with a money, podcast money, money. that, yeah, whatever, doesn't matter. <laughs> so uh, at the end of all of this, we always like to ask our guests a few questions. How was the week, Jake? Yeah, so I, I mean, I loved it. I, w- I would do stuff like this. I think that life doesn't let me right now. I mean, I've got a two-year-old and a wife that works really hard, so I feel like I could get away with it during tax season, and my wife would have no idea that, that I was you were. watching a, a movie a day with you guys, kind of thing. You did what? Right, she'd have no clue. So, um, but something that's kind of comparable that I don't know if you guys have thought about, but uh, we do Sundance Film Festival uh, virtually as a staff. Oh, and so we pay our ticket, and then we pick and we read. You get the short list. It looks exactly like your synopsis you have printed off right on 70 films and so you literally we as a staff go through 70 we have a spreadsheet and you give it a like yeah i want to watch that or i don't care kind of thing right Mm -hmm. we watch four a day for 10 days holy 40 out of 70 movies yeah jesus so it's about what you pick for your like you know kind of thing and so um sometimes it works sometimes it's like yeah but it's been really good about forecasting stuff. But I feel like as far as like a, a difficulty thing, it's hard to complain about. I mean, my job is to literally watch movies that week. Like yeah. what an asshole for complaining <laughs> about that. But you guys know how draining it is, yeah, it is to watch a movie, right? And to process and think, do I want to bring this to our city? Do I want to bring this to our, you know, smaller theater kind of thing? So could this do well? Right. Yeah, there's so off. much more thought put into uh, the movie and, and what the movie means for you or whatever right? right when when you're doing that you have to think about it for your theater when we're doing this we have to think about well, what the hell we're going to talk about for 10 to 15 minutes right and so it's not just throwing on a movie and, and zoning then do out you all decide on the 40 movies collectively so and or then do you we, each individually watch the 40 yourself and so then you come back yeah and you so compare notes that day we get to watch four right that's yep. how the ticketing process works is like you need to pick four today but that's as a staff, right? Well, okay. so then we, like, the first two are pretty much guaranteed at least more than one person's giving them the thumbs up. Yep. And we watch them in the theater because there's not movies going on at 10 in the morning or 8 in the morning, right? And we'll watch those first two. And then the, as the afternoon goes on, it's maybe something that's like, oh, today's my day and I picked this movie. Okay. I'm the only one. I'm going to watch this on my laptop at home oh. and, like, chill out. Or, you know, so, like, for instance, you guys mm-hmm. are going to watch Cha-Cha Real Smooth next week. That was one that was uh, my pick that no one else wanted to watch. And so I took it home, and it's a rom-com. And I got to watch it with my wife, and we loved it. It was, like, the best experience I've had a long time for a movie. So Sick. I just will have to be reaching out to right. you for some picks of, like, <laughs> even Sundance you, Film Festival. Even if Give you guys – so the crazy part, though, is that, like, those movies aren't picked up yet. So then six months from Sundance, it's like, oh, yeah, we watched that. Do you remember? Or, like, this was the big kind of, like – 
bellow the ball for Sundance. It won everything kind of thing. And like we can give our opinions to people coming into the theater or whether or not we should get it, that kind of thing. So oh. you should look into it. I think that even if you had a like they have like a winner's day that you can buy a ticket and watch four of the winning movies, it's worth it. That'd be sick. That would be kind of a cool experience for us. I don't yeah. see us committing to 40 in a week, but right. yeah, no, that, that <laughs> at, at this point in time, yeah, well, yeah 28 in a week, right? <laughs> well, four yeah. a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were, uh, I mean, you've seen some of the movies, so it right. changes the dynamics and obviously you wanted to influence what we watched, but like, I guess the movies that you hadn't seen, how did you picking those films and then like your thoughts afterwards? Yeah. Like what was the, the change there? I, you know, I think like purple rain might be the hardest one to just thinking of like, this is amazing music and this is so different than anything I've seen. And like my dad loves Prince and he's like the last person you'd expect to love Prince. <laughs> and so like, you know, thinking of stuff like that, of like, well, my dad likes this. Like what, what did he, you know, and kind of, so I think that that one was pretty influential. And then the seeing Jurassic world, I mean, it's a new theater experience that I would have had to see anyways, having it in our theater. So it's like exciting to share conversations around stuff that, I mean, I, I a little bit, I'm strong armed into playing this for the masses. You know? I was gonna say, I'm yeah. glad you picked it. Cause I don't think Scott and I were planning to see it at all. Yeah, I don't. I think every time we saw the trailer, we both kind of looked at each other and were like, "Yeah, are we? We're passing on that, right?" right. <laughs> but so I uh, mean, it, yeah, it brought us a movie that we probably wouldn't have seen. Um, it, and honestly, it lived for up you, to the expectations that I thought it would probably. That's <laughs> yeah, true. I was gonna say for you though, because I think this is the fir- this is the first Dolby movie that they played the full Dolby experience pre-screen thing. Uh, in a long time that I've seen, and you said this is the first time you've I'd ever never seen, seen it. it. I thought it was new. No, that's that's the original. Like when Dolby first came it's out, it's like a that's five minute play. like play. Yo, here's, here's the butt vibration. Here's yeah. the back. Yeah, yeah, they're like ah, the way we have the biggest and, dick yeah, in the industry. The old, like <laughs> yeah. THX like sound that used to come up. And, yeah, exactly. It never sounds like that anymore. No, <laughs> I miss that. Yeah. Just put it in. That sounds like shit when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess with your life, and my question typically to a guest is like, would you do it again? I mean, this is your life of watching right. movies and bringing it in. <laughs> Have you, outside of like Sundance, like, do you watch a movie a day typically just to like. Not a day. We watch, so like, we watch what we're getting like once a week. Yep. Um, if a studio is really excited about something or want us particularly to book it, they'll send us what's called a screener, which we can just watch on our laptops or mm. on the big screen kind of thing. So, we're having a lot more fun, obviously, since COVID when new movies weren't coming out of like picking classics. Yeah. And so, something that's really been awesome is to, you know, just like you guys are doing, it's like, hey, why is this on people's list? And it's like, oh my God, like watching this in a theater is like a different experience mm-hmm. than had I sat my ass at home and watched Ben-Hur for three hours. I oh don't man. Know. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm going to pause it and go to the bathroom yeah, and get exact- some food. Exactly, and you can't right? sit there and, yeah. and you know endure it to an extent. But right. also, yeah, I've seen so many recently with the, even just at AMC with the, the like the classics they're right. coming back with and they're not included the with our A-list. Fat, so we have the fan. Yeah, 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 that was a fathom. Is it um, Fathom? Yeah. Oh, it is Fathom. It's not Fandango, Fathom. yeah. But so, uh, I've we, seen so many, and I'm like, I feel like I would be willing to pay to go see that in a theater. Right. 
you know, yeah. have that experience. So no, I don't. I don't watch a movie a day regularly, and we watch about two or three a week. But you also get to like sound test at your own theater, like which yeah. is like yeah, that and sounds so fun. Much yeah, better than my fucking so, cell phone. It's better than <laughs> watching on a phone for yeah. sure. Um, there's even stuff that I mean, like you know, the uh, Kenobi series and stuff that I can just throw up on the screen because yeah, I'm that's like, sick. I, like I've paused stuff like that before and gone. I'm gonna have a much better time watching this by myself in my theater. <sighs> Crank it, like kind of. That's thing. sick. That's the goal. One day we'll have our theater. That's our goal. The theater where we don't let anybody else. Like Adventureland, like Cartman. I, that was one of my yeah. favorite episodes when we were like, and no one else can come and we'll advertise and no one gets to go. Yep, that's exactly Especially what we Especially Stan and Cat. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. That's uh, what we want. But one day. But no, Jake, we really appreciate you being on giving us uh, a selection of movies that we probably would have never branched out to see. Yeah, pushing us out of our comfort zone. Appreciate that. Is there anything, and I asked this to Kristen, it went way south, so hopefully we have a better response. <laughs> You're going to ask him to plug something? I was going to say, is there anything you, you want to plug? plug the theater at least. Yeah, I, w- I would say, in, like, if you are listening to this and you have a local theater that's showing, like, awesome classic stuff, even if you don't know the movie, like, go check it out. Um, I think that the reason that I have the job that I do now is because you and I were bored walking down the street and we literally turned into the Ellen theater and watched the princess bride. Neither one of us had seen the princess bride. We're college kids, you know, we're 20 years old yep. and we went in and we laughed with a room full of people. <laughs> and like, we were so stoked on it that we bought 10 tickets for the show that started in like an hour and a half after that one ended and went <laughs> back and grabbed whoever, like we were at the point of like, our friends didn't want to go with us, but we were just grabbing people really in the hallway. Coming. Oh, really? They wanted to come watch this movie with us. And we watched it again. So I would say, if you have anywhere local that's showing old shit, dude, go check it out. Go support them. Yeah. And when you're done with your movie, throw your fucking trash away. <laughs> For real. From yeah. somebody who operates in... Manages that that the Deadpool ending, I really want to play that Deadpool ending, like the literally the ending <laughs> every of every time. movie. Do what like, AMC does with the Nicole Kidman intro with that. Well, so Just like we have play we have the intro right, yeah. but I feel like people come in late, so they don't have to watch the fucking trailers yeah. and they'll like turn your phone off and that bullshit. But either way, uh, we appreciate you having. Oh no, we appreciate you having us. No, we appreciate, we appreciate Jake <laughs> being on the podcast this week. Yes, thank you for. He flew from Montana to be here. Yeah, you know? specifically for this. It wasn't just a vacation we right. planned around. This is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining us and talking about movies, and thanks for your picks. I enjoyed pretty much all of them. Yeah, we had a lot of Fucking good discussion. Jurassic World, you had yeah. to go in room. <laughs> And uh, yes, as always, you can see our movies of the week uh, at NDNM Podcast on what is that? Instagram. Instagram, yeah, whatever the hell, social media bullshit. And uh, we'll catch you next week. One, two, three. Okay, bye.
we're still talking because it's still recording. Yeah, I know. And just yeah, kinda, and then just edits in really yeah, cool stuff. Just put in stuff and make us sound like we're cool right. and know what we're doing and funny. But we're not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 18 viewers. Woo! <laughs> we had more until Russia had to go and be dicks. Who? <laughs> oh, Russia. <damn. laughs> Jess can cut that out. That's fine. <laughs> I'll have to show you our simple cast stats. Uh...